This episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce is brought to you by Retro Game Treasure. Retro Game Treasure is an amazing monthly subscription service. They send you custom tailored boxes straight to your door from the video games that you love. You go on there, you have a wish list, you have your console of choice. They'll send you games from an assortment of consoles like NES, Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis, Sega CD, Sega Dreamcast, Sega Game Gear, Game Boy Color, Xbox, PlayStation 1, PlayStation 2, GameCube, and many more. Now announcing they are delivering straight to you Nintendo DS games and PSP games. What do the listeners of the Happy Hour get, Deuce? Put in Happy Hour in the promo box and you'll get $2 off your order. Remember, with Retro Game Treasure, you get classic video games delivered every month. Go to RetroGameTreasure.com. Pick your consoles, set your preferences, and add to your wish list. And don't forget to tell them that the Happy, Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce sent you. Don't forget that the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce sent you. Hello, Internet. Yeah, we back in the fact. Don't know you had a long day, but let's inject. Sit back, relax, and have some cold beer. Gotta pay a few bills. Yeah, we're all clear, and it's Deuce on the loose. You know the tag team champion. We get the biggest pop when we hit the ramp. The outlaws of the new age. And we still got love for the retro waves. You know, Nintendo, Sega Genesis, so many systems. Your Dreamcast and reminisce. So pull back the curtain and hit the booth. Cause it's the Happy Hour Podcast with Johnny and Duke. Yeah. Hello, internets. My name is Johnny Womack, and this is the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce, where a twice-weekly podcast dropping on Tuesdays and Fridays for your listening pleasure. And we, today's today we have a special guest. Today we have a special guest co-host, <laughs> Mr. David Pasco, who you may remember from our pro wrestling talk uh, episodes that we did uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, the guy loves wrestling as much as I do, and, and he's just kind of been a wealth of information for me. The floodgates are open. I'm behind closed doors. We, we were doing this little uh, GIF chat, and I was like, pretty much when he went to the house, he's like, I can show you the yeah, world. Exactly. And I was just like, there's so much wrestling out there. So it, much. It's insane. But, of course, every episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny Dew starts off with a good old Deuce salute. <laughs> good times. Cheers, everyone drinking at home. And we love to have a good time here with the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce. And, of course, when David's on, we of course, he loves video games, too. We'll probably get to that in another episode. But he also he obviously is a huge wrestling fan like I am. And we decided – we were just kind of chatting after our last uh, taping. We were like, hey, let's talk about uh, – how did that get started? How did that conversation get started? Well, I was talking about some of the other wrestling podcasts that I, talk, um, I listen to throughout the week. And a lot of them do these challenges using the network. Being like, let's come up with the best wrestling card possible, our favorite matches, and what they, the cool thing that they kind of do is put like a buffer on it, being like, okay, these are the rules of selecting, like uh, uh, Jim Smallman's podcast, which is Tuesday Night Jaw, they did their favorite uh, five match wrestling card thing. I think I was explaining this to you, yes. where they're like, somebody couldn't be in two matches and they couldn't use more than two matches per promotion and you know stuff like that and it makes you get really interesting list where 
they force wrestling fans to kind of go and be like, oh, I didn't know about that. But they force themselves to kind of watch beyond their scope of just not going back to the shows that they know or the wrestlers that they know and kind of it kind of makes you forces you kind of to open your eyes being like, Oh, I didn't know anything about, you know, uh, psychosis. And right. you start going through that rabbit hole of being sure. like, Oh, look, he wrestled here and he did this and blah, blah. Like what you were just saying with the Indies. Right. Um, that's still, that exists just on the network where you can follow an entire wrestler and not realize their back catalog was, right. you know, so dense. And even, even someone, you know, like ourselves, we learned a lot, even just going through and doing homework and researching. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, wow, I didn't know that. And and the, the the caveat was we wanted to pick people. So what are we doing? We're, so, so we're doing the list. I, I challenged you. Uh, I sent it through Messenger being like, okay, this I think I have the original message. I can bring sure. it up. Being um, I wanted to do teams for Survivor Series is coming up. And Ring of Honor uh, during their Global Wars. Global, am I saying? Yeah. And Rev Pro, of course, is too. Uh, tours and pay per views and everything else coming up. So I thought it'd be fun to kind of blend the two together. Let me see if I can find the original. Yeah, sure. Through our explaining of the rules to each other, too. Uh, yeah. So it, for for those at home, this is going to be a learning a learning experience for you as well. And you also may learn some you know wrestlers that you may not have heard of or haven't remembered in a long time. So this would be like a throwback for you as well. So. It's going to be they a lot of fun. Wow. Well, I'm really having trouble. This is the most, this will be the least interesting part of this entire podcast. No, it's all good. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, talking during the, I'm talking during the dead air. Yeah, so, exactly, uh, yeah exactly. Yeah, you know, you got to keep it going. You know. He's on his phone. So this is what I said. I wanted to draft wrestling teams for six different countries, four members per team, and here are the rules. They have to have at least one match on the network. But each member of the team has to come from a different decade, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and then 2010s right. uh, to present. So basically, if you take a Team USA, we'll just say that, it has to be four guys. It has to be each guy has to have at least one match on the network. And one guy from 90s or 80s, one guy from 90s, to early 2000s. And when I challenge you, I'm like, this should be easy. And teams like USA and Canada – and Mexico, Japan, eh. but when you start getting, we also did Europe yep. and the UK, the UK separately. Right. So basically, UK is Wales in the United Kingdom, right. and the EU is everything else in that's considered in Europe. So that was the challenge. I it was funny because I even got to the point where it was harder for me at some point to try to figure out where I was going to go with the teams and doing the research and seeing what years, you know, people actually wrestled. So when you had presented that to me, I'm like, I thought it was going to be easy too. And I was like, Oh, I'm already halfway done. I even told you that. I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm already halfway yeah. through my list. <laughs> and then I realized like six of the guys were not on the network. And I'm like, Oh my God, I didn't think it would be that hard. Yeah. When you think broad, especially current wrestlers mm -hmm. and you know, especially me, I had to go back and be like, okay, what time, what era did these guys wrestle too? Because a lot of the wrestlers, I'm like, oh, I saw them WWE. That's on the network. And then you're like, oh, but they didn't wrestle in the 90s. Or they didn't wrestle really in the 2000s. Right. And when they did, they weren't. So the other caveat that we put on here was it had to be where they were hailed from. So when you have guys who were born in one state, then they hailed from, let's say it was 
you know, Mexico in WCW. And then when they got to WWE, they changed it back to, you know, Texas or Arizona or wherever it was. I wanted to make sure that the era we, in which we picked them. So if they're in 1990s WCW, where they hailed from yeah. when they were there at that time, right. not where they were hailed from later in the WWE, WWE career or anything like that. Right. So primarily I know our lists are going to be generated from WWE, ECW, WCW, a, uh, AWA, NWA, and, right. And yeah. uh, Smoky Mountain, if you want to get crazy. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yep. exactly. So how do you want to break this down? Where do you want to start? I was going to say, let's start. I'm going to cut you off and just make the decision for you. Let's start because I think the Team USA, everyone probably has expectations of us to start on. So let's start how the sun rises. So we'll start in Japan, time zone wise, and work our way to the U.S. So do you want to go first or you want me to? Kick it off. I'll let you start. I'll let you kick it off. So, of course, let, let's recap. So, we're we're going to be in Japan. We're going to go from 80s, 90s, to 2000s, 2010s to today. And uh, you're going to start off. You want to start? You're going to do your whole list, or we're going to go back and forth? Like, well, like let's 80s, do the 80s. whole list just okay. in case one of us has. We might have a duplicate. That's possible yeah, to happen. Duplicate. So, yeah. it's easier if I just, you know, we'll just burn through the list and, and then we'll, we'll talk start about that way. Yeah, We can we'll, talk a little bit. Yeah. yeah. So, let's kick this off with a wrestler. From the 1980s, who was a Japanese wrestler. Um, the first one... Oh, the other caveat was we're going to pick captains for each team as yes. well. Like survivors. The w- the way it should be in survivors. Right, exactly. Correct. Yeah. So my team Japan, 1980s, first member of this team I chose is the NWA WCW Great Muda from the late 90s. Now, if not, you're not familiar with the Great Muda, huge Japanese legend in professional wrestling... Uh, innovative, uh, you know, a violence, uh, a strong style. Later in WCW, um, oh, actually NWA, um, he did a lot more matches over here in the U.S. Yeah, he teamed up with uh, Terry Funk. He had mm-hmm. feuds with uh, Sting. Sting was a huge opponent for him in the late '80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, really helped those characters grow. So I, I, I chose him not just because he was a Japanese wrestler. It's just what he represents to that style so early where I thought if he wrestled today and if great Muda was, you know, around wrestling guys like Shinsuke and uh, he, he would still be his style transfers. Like you, you go back and want, he was way ahead of his time. He was. And the things he was doing in the ring and the psychology. He innovated a lot of things we see today, like shining wizard, you know, mm-hmm. he innovated that. And he was taught by Antonio Noki, who yes. obviously in Zagiri and all these different things. So it was like the strong kicks, the strikes combination of the martial arts, plus the, the, the shoot style wrestling. And he really, you know, uh, captivated crowds with that. And I think he would, if he was a, like a new guy today or, or an older gentleman that was still around, like he would, I mean, you put him, you can put him anywhere and he'd put on a great show. A great show. Yeah, yeah. Especially, you know, not like we we're saying, just not in new Japan, but if, you know, as someone of his skill set was in an NXT environment or, you know, uh, the UK scene right now, he would just absolutely dominate. He'd be something very, very special. So, so my first pick was great Muda from the 1980s. Uh, my 1990s, um, I'm moving over to the WCW Cruiserweight division. Nice. And I'm picking Yuji Nagata. Now, awesome. he, I also picked him as my captain um, just because at this point, Yuji Nagata isn't at the pinnacle of his career that he was early 2000s where he had 
you know, the great matches with Kurt Angle, but there was still something there, a leadership. He was starting to, you know, move towards the Blue Justice gimmick. He pl- he wrestled a lot as a heel in WCW. He did, yeah. Because he had um, Sonny Ono, Ono yep. as his manager. There's uh, great matches with him in uh, Ultimo Dragon. Yes. Um, I didn't pick Dragon for obvious reasons. I, mean, I, I knew that that was coming that on the other end, up. so I knew... Uh, going with Yuji, who wrestles a uh, very st- almost a straight style, but once again innovated the mat- adding martial arts, the strikes, the strong style yeah. elements into his wrestling. He did. If you go back and watch the mid card WCW, I know we we've beaten this with a stick already hey, at this I point, <laughs> but um, he did have something different that the he could you could put him in there with the lucha libre style or. Uh, someone like Dean Malenko and come out the other end with some, something that at least looked different. It might not be your cup of tea, but he didn't wrestle like everyone else. He still did the arm bar. It was almost like an MMA style. It was before yeah. that was innovated into, you know, normal. Even his uh, Nagata lock was a, it's like a standing figure four leg lock. So it was like he, you know, he was really good with grapple. He's good at striking. Um, just overall solid, solid guy. Um, I don't know how how good his cardio was back then. I know it's gotten better, but um, he, the guy just he killed it every time he was in the yeah. ring. And, and he, he just wrestled his last G one this year, so he you know if you look at that career, and we're talking mid nineties, he was getting hot in the cruiserweight division, and he had, you know, he's one of the on the board at New Japan. He helped innovate a lot of the stuff we like now that's coming out of the East and in Japan. So I thought. Him as the captain, being in charge, having that foresight, even though he not, wasn't at the pinnacle, there was still something special there to guide he's like another the, He's team. like an ambassador almost, you know, of that brand, of that yeah. program. And so, like, so, I, that's a great, great captain. All right. Great so, captain. moving on from there, um, I try to make all my teams a little – have someone that could do uh, an enforcer, um, a hardcore style, and I thought – this showman definitely does both those very well. Um, if you go back to, oh, can't think of the year right now, ECW, the first ECW one-night stand. If you watch that card again, there's a match that stands out. If you go back and watch old ECW, this rivalry stands out in the 90s. But I chose from 2000s, one match under a WWE brand or film for WWE, I picked uh, Masato Tanaka. Oh, good pick. Um, his matches with Mike Awesome, especially that one, when people – if you go back and watch that, Mike Awesome, if you know the history of him with ECW, mm-hmm. he betrayed ECW, took the belt, went to WCW, had to come back and wrestle Taz and drop the belt. Super interesting history. When he went back to One Night Stand, even Joey Styles was on commentary, cursed him out. Uh, they hated him. The fans hated him for what he did and everything right. else he represented. And they had him go against, refuel his old rivalry with Masato Tanaka. And I never really watched a lot of that. That was before I watched ECW and went back and never really looked at their stuff. But just in that one match, when you say there's two guys that connect and they feel special, those guys definitely have it. That was the best I've ever seen Mike Awesome wrestle. But Masato Tanaka... Um, very strong, bigger, bigger built guy. I think he's about six foot, so he's a little bit taller than right. most of the Japanese wrestlers True. come over. Um, risk taker is not even the, the mm-hmm. things he was doing. The bumps he was taking were unbelievable. Um, I probably have gone back and watched that match 
you know, at least 10 times. And every time I, it just takes my breath away about how amazing that is for that, for someone to be an opponent for Mike awesome and have the crowd turn where they're cheering and giving them a standing ovation right. at the end of that match, especially in, it, that was an ECW crowd out of the Hammerstown ballroom in Manhattan. Are you talking about um, 2005? Um, the first one, the not first the Cena one. Right. Where you don't the, talk about that. Right, right. The one, yeah, the first oh, one five. where they yeah. did the, they basically had ECW matches. The one, the one where they had um, Chris Jericho come out as Lionheart and all yeah, that. And yeah, and wrestled Lance yeah. Storm's that was last 05. match. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, okay, 2005. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that 2005 one-night stand it is on the network. It's a great pay-per-view all around. It is. Yeah. It is. Um, but that match definitely, it, among all the really great talent, because Eddie fought or wrestled Benoit that night, too. Um, there's a lot of great matches on the card, but that really was something that no one had any expectations for and just was an amazing match. So I'm going with the 2005 Masato Tanaka ECW. That's one a I good say. one. And he's uh, also in a, a lot of people, they call him the Japanese daredevil because like he would just do things that he wouldn't he even shouldn't plan. Do. He was doing things he wouldn't even plan on doing before. Yeah. He just improvised it. He's definitely jump. a shoot wrestler where he just... Yep. He just goes with the goes with the feeling, and you could see it in that that it just the bump he took outside, the power bomb through a table oh, to the outside. God. It like he no one should take that bump, nope. but he did it beautifully it and walked perfect. away amazingly. So that's my two thousand pick. So my last pick. Oh, there's a lot to choose from. There's a lot to choose from, but there's one that really stood out to me in the last couple years um, that I was a fan of, and I wish he wrestled more than what WWE gave him. Um, I went back and looked at the CWC, and I went with Kota Ibushi. So Kota Ibushi only wrestled I, just for the CWC. He got to the quarterfinal. He lost to I want to say T.J. Perkins. I think that sounds right. Yeah. Yes, um, because everyone thought it was going to be Zack Saber Jr. and Kota yeah, Ibushi at the finals, and it wasn't because they didn't sign full contracts. Right. So it was Grand Matalik and T.J. Perkins, which is fine. Yeah. Um, but Kota Ibushi, I think his first match was against, I, I can't remember. It was one of the Samoan family, a kid that took a lot of good bumps, right. but he just, <laughs> he, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he, you watch that and you're like, this guy is something special. Um, he has a great look. He looks like a wrestler. He does. Yeah. Um, he very, you know, not a ton of personality. He's almost like. I kind of wanted to see him and Saber lock up because they have kind of the same build going in where, you know, they can do striking, they can do high flying, they can do grapples, they do mat technician. And Coda showed so, so much. He did. And when I was going back and I'm like, I know there's a ton of other Japanese guys, but that was the one that if, if this tournament actually existed and WWE put it on, that's a Japanese wrestler from this year. I would definitely want other people to see more of and maybe – didn't really, you know, I know a lot, a lot of people watch the CWC, but really go back and watch his performances. I've already watched the W, the CW, the Cruiserweight Classic probably like four different times. And it's also awesome to see Mauro Ranello and Daniel Bryan get excited Mm -hmm. during a commentary. And it just, it was just a great, like all around showcase of talent. Yeah. So definitely there's, there's very, if you watch it, there's very stern talent that you're like, that guy's special. Um, when I just emphasizing more on that, you know, sure. when I it's the first time I saw Jack Gallagher wrestle was that. Um, the first time I really watched uh, the match between uh, Johnny Gargano and uh, 
and Ciampa is a, probably one of the best matches of the year by Amazing. far. They just gave it 110%. Uh, you get to see Zack Sabre Jr. do what he does best yep. in the best format possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Akira Tozawa was finally, and he almost made my list. He almost made the list. I'm like, I really like Akira Tozawa. Uh, he's been in wrestling for a very, very long time. Uh, he's finally getting the credit he's due. Yep. And he's just, you know, I wish they were doing more with him now. I'm glad he got uh, to taste the title, but I want more. I think he'll eventually get back up and be really, really competitive. Oh, that's another discussion like that. altogether about 205 Live. but uh, That will be for another day. Exactly, another so, day. But let me that's just re- a great list. Let me just recap. recap yep. yep, recap real fast. So 1980s, uh, Great Muda NWA. Uh, 1990s, Yuji Nagata from WCW. 2000s, Masato Tanaka from ECW. And current day, so 2010s, uh, Kota Ibushi from the Cruiserweight Classic. So that's my Team Japan. That's a great selection. (laughs) Um, You know, Japan is very close to my heart because if people went back to our episode 311, I think, we were talking about indie wrestling and how – or is it 310? We were talking about tape trading. Well, tape trading, I got to watch a lot of Japanese and Mexican wrestlers, and it was for me, it was like I was exposed at a young age that a lot of people didn't get to watch some of these um, uh, matches, and I, I remember just going through and like, man, there's a lot of people I can put in here, but were they in WCW at the time? And so I had to like go back and do homework. Oh, you literally so, did homework. I did homework, and I have like notes, and uh, th- I'm, I'm even going to tell you the ones I scratched off because they weren't va- they weren't part of our list I, that i this erroneously is day one of this podcast yes exactly <laughs> so uh for me um let's see i actually picked uh for 1980s uh i picked uh the same gentleman you picked uh, oh, the great, great muda, muda oh, nice. uh kg muto um but if you look him up as kg muto you won't find him on the network because i was like i know he wrestled in wcw like in the 80s like there's no way he's not in there and then I had to look up the Great Muda, and I yep. was like, "Ah, that's how. so." If you're looking for him, you want to make sure that you put in the, the Great uh, Muda M U T A because he he obviously uh, did other moves like the Muda Lock and everything like that. That's stuff that he's attributed to, but his name has changed a lot. Sometimes I'll spell it M U T A, M U T O, M U T O H. So there's a lot of different spellings for his yep. last name. So definitely go through um, and look that. But I actually uh, highlighted uh, one match, uh, Starcade '89. Uh, against Ric Flair, mm-hmm. amazing match. Uh, so that's definitely you can find him on there. You can also find him in the early mid '80s, a Class of Champions. He was on there as well for WCW. Uh, just a great, like we talked about earlier, great striker, great innovator of moves. Um, even if he goes to the Shedding Wizard a lot during his matches, he's he's really great at it. He's really fast. Right? I mean, he's just an overall great competitor. If he was an NXT, he'd be a superstar today. Yep. Amazing. So yeah, I definitely uh, I agree with you on the '80s pick. 90s pick is going to be obvious answer, um, Mr. Asai, aka the Ultimate Dragon. Uh, Ultimate Dragon has uh, depending on what year you're watching WCW exactly. and who's doing commentary. I mean, he's put on obviously WCW is where we can put the list here, but obviously he's been all over the world literally. And he, he came in. Uh, they had like this picture. Tanae was talking about it. We had like ten belts. You've probably seen the picture online. There's like. Oh, the best in the world, and then the guy who's the first original best in the world, and they have like you know a picture of him holding like ten belts. You know, I mean, he's been all over, winning all the different titles, all throughout Mexico, Japan, you know, all over the world, and he just is a guy that encapsulates what I love about the art of wrestling: being able yeah. to be a showman, be able to interact with your crowd. Uh, he's also with Sonny Ono back when Sonny Ono was his manager, and Sonny Ono did a great job of pushing him and elevating him, and uh, being a good. Uh, he was I wouldn't consider the 
I think Ultimate Dragon, I don't think he ever was heel, but he, he tipped the heel uh, spectrum at times. But for the most part, he just he just put on an amazing show every time. He garnered a lot of USA chants against he him. He did. But he never, I don't think he really played towards his patriotism no. of being like, I think that was more Sony Ono gave instant heat to whoever right. he followed out to the ring. Right. And another thing is, is I loved, I, as a kid, I just loved his mask and his different colors and like how he'd come in and he'd have like this whole theatrics to him, you know, like the way he'd look, he'd come in with his coat on he'd just take off the robe and then he'd have all these colors with his, I mean, I even have one of his masks that Sean got me. It, I, it just love the guy in and out. Just watch anything on, just type in ultimate dragon, WCW will pop up nitro Stuff with Dean Malenko. You might stuff. not want to watch his WWE stuff from early 2000s. I, I don't so. remember much of his WWE he stuff. He had a very – I think he only had like a year, year and a half. I know yeah. his his first match was against Rey Mysterio on SmackDown, um, and it wasn't great. No. <laughs> it wasn't – he just did not get the rhythm and the travel and everything else right. that – it's almost like when they bring – brought Sin Cara in for the first time. It's just like something's just not gelling – with this audience that it did previously. Right. So, but yeah, so ultimate dragon is my nineties pick. My, my 2000s pick is, it technically fits because he was still in 2000 and WWE wrestling, but he left later for Japan in 2001. So I hope it fits. Uh, Takamichi Noku. Uh, okay, I was wondering where you're going to switch. I, I, he, he was technically into, cause I, I was going to ask you why I knew you were a huge ultimate fan. And yeah. Taka was somebody that was on my list for the nineties right. originally. Right. And right. I'm like, I really want Blue Justice on I this know, list. I, I wanted my WCW pick. I try to not to do all WWE, but right. you find out some in some cases, like Japan and uh, Canada, M- Mexico, yeah. it's easy yeah. to just go all WWE. Mm-hmm. But then there's other ones that it's really hard. It's so really it, tough. You try to challenge yourself. So you're saying 2000s t- Two thousand, Yeah, 2000s t- uh, Tanaka. Uh, Tanaka. Uh, Taka Taka no- Michinoku. Noku. Because uh, he was obviously in late 90s, it, it really big in uh, WWE uh, during the Attitude Era. And uh, who did he team with? I forget. It was uh, Funaki. Funaki. Who still right. works for the company. He still works for the – yeah, he's an announcer, right? Announcer, yeah. and he also does uh, training, and he's an agent. Right. So he, he does a lot. He's always kept very active. I always it. felt like he was very underrated, uh, Takamichi Noku. Uh, he's, mm-hmm. a, he's, he's a very you – know, another guy in Japan that just was a workhorse. Uh, he's a very big innovator. Obviously, people – he has like four variations of his Michinoku driver that people use all throughout the world. Uh, the guy just is incredible in the ring. He's got amazing cardio. The guy can just go for it. He can do an Ironman match without even thinking about it. Uh, the guy is a great striker overall. You know, good grappler. Uh, I just for me, I feel like he he's probably gonna be the team captain because of all the people yeah. he's still he's still wrestling today. I think he's, he's I. Th- yeah, I know he went and did a training school. I right. think he does wrestle from time to time. He still does, time. yeah. But he when he went back to Japan, it was to train others to come over. Right. He um, was he was like the John Cena in Japan. He was able to push people and to lift people other people yeah. up, put them on the map, kind of like what Eugene Nagata yeah, yeah. come one of the ambassador. So it's kind of why I want to put him as the captain because he would still be, you know, going in there and training and elevating. And he had a people. faction in the '90s with the Attitude Era, so right. that makes sense to make him yeah. captain as well. So he's he's the captain, and then of course. Uh, I don't know how often this will happen, but uh, I also picked Kota Ibushi. Wow! Yeah, really? that's crazy. Yeah, Kota Ibushi. I thought yeah. I thought you were gonna go Shinsuke. I, I was thought, this close to going. Shinsuke. I was like, you know what? I'm like, I'm not close. gonna do the most obvious one. <laughs> right. I was trying not to the, but yeah, you want Kota as yeah, well. So Excellent. I, it's a great pick. He's he's amazing. And that was my first exposure to Kota Ibushi. Yeah. I, I like you'd heard Corey Corey Graves like he was like spotted somewhere else in a Raw crowd or whatever. And they're like, oh, this is one of the best wrestlers in the world. I'm like. 
I got to look up this guy. And I was researching yeah. him. And then obviously he was in uh, uh, CWC. Uh, and I just he, it's a shame they couldn't get that deal together too. He would have been uh, fantastic. If anyone doesn't uh, just elaborate a little bit more about Kota's career, he was offered a contract with New Japan and walked away. And usually when that happens, you get blacklisted for life for um, New Japan Pro Wrestling. And he wrestled for All Japan and he did some a lot of indies and then ended up in CWC. But he didn't want to work full time. Same thing with uh, Zack Sabre Jr. A lot of the indie guys, if you're getting booked a lot, especially Zach had belts everywhere. He had three yeah. belts at the time. Yep. He had the PWG, the Rev Pro, mm -hmm. and um, Evolve right. championships. When he won to the CWC, Coda was still getting booked a lot. He had a lot of matches. I think he took some time off after that, too, but now he's back in New Japan. Um, because him and Kenny Omega used to be a tag team. Well, he put the, some heat on Did you read yeah, about he, yeah. Kenny Omega was upset about it? Exactly. About him leaving for CWC. Right. So I think there's a I think he saw money elsewhere, which is a shame because we lost out on someone that I honestly, if they signed him, him and like I said, Zack Saber, I thought we're gonna go to NXT and knock it out of the destroy point. it, be the, be the kings of NXT. It. Yep. But yeah, great. I can't deny that pick. So That's great. I mean, because <laughs> it was funny on my original notes, I had Shinsuke, and I was like. That's an obvious. Why not thing. Shinsuke? You just Shins didn't want to go obvious, or well, it was between like, the two, honestly. I mean, Shinsuke obviously is, you know. I don't think Shinsuke. You can be honest. You don't have to. He's not listening. Is he? If he is, that's great. He's but. great, but I don't think. <laughs> I, I think I prefer overall. I think I prefer Kota Ibushi's yeah. uh, skill set. I, I think Kota Ibushi. I love Shinsuke's whole character. It's almost the whole Hulk Hogan uh, yeah. uh, theory, where Hulk Hogan. Wasn't the greatest in ring, mm -hmm. but he was. He had a showman. He was great. Yeah. He interacted with the crowd. I'm not saying Shinsuke isn't great, but I also feel like he's kind of predictable if in we his were, moveset. If we were taking guys from Rev Pro, off, if you were watching Rev Pro app, I would pick Shinsuke because right. what he did in Europe and his indie stuff right. is fantastic. Right. Um, getting more Shinsuke. I think what I've seen of him is I like his first match against somebody, but by the second or third one, I feel like I've seen the same match. Right. When they keep generating new challengers for him, he evolves a little bit. You see something different. I agree. So when yeah. you throw a new opponent at him, he tweaks it. Him and Sami Zayn it. was amazing. Yeah. That match was in, is incredible. Well, you know, him and Owens wrestled that one time in Ring of Honor, yep. and I watched him wrestle uh, Roddy Strong in Rev Pro. And, you know, the stuff he did over in Japan as well. But he had a fresh rotation right. of wrestlers. I think, like, with Jinder, by the third time they fought, and they were straight matches. He hasn't really done gimmick matches. No. I think that kind of hurts him. Right. Um, I think I'm glad he's out of the title hunt where they can have him kind of go. Honestly, I thought they were going to put – I'd rather see the – because he was the IWGP Intercontinental Champion. I would right. love to see him be the WWE Intercontinental. That would be awesome. Or, yeah. you know, I don't really see the U.S. belt. Just for whatever reason they want to protect that, that's fine. Right. Um, but I, I, I want to see him have that fresh – like that fresh rotation of wrestlers, right. which Coda – did have that, and we were given very little bit, and we're going off three or four matches that he wrestled versus right. Shinsuke having a career in NXT. Right. No, and and I agree, and I also feel like uh, before I put before I was going to put Shinsuke, I actually put Kushida down because I love Kushida's had an amazing 2017. Not in WWE. Not in WWE. <laughs> that was like I was one of those guys where I was like, uh, oh, yeah. I can't put Kushida on there. He's 
He's not he's not there, so that's why I had to bounce around. And I was gonna go Shinsuke, but I was like, I just I literally what happened was I I just watched this CWC again. I was rewatching yeah. it. I was like, he's from Japan. He's yeah. He's awesome. People can watch him and see him a great exactly. doing a great stuff. So, yep. so that that's that's why I picked him. But so that's our Japan list. Uh, definitely send us a line. Let us know who your favorite wrestlers are from those eras as well. Send us a line. HH podcast show at gmail.com. So I'll let you continue on. What, what are we going to go next? So if we, we're going in order, uh, so that's Japan. Let's go. We're going to head towards the West. And the next one we're going to hit is Europe. So now on this list, like I said, this is not going to include. Uh, basically, we're going to, we're, we're making Brexit part of this yeah, <laughs> content yep. where, so it's not Wales or England, but uh, Ireland, Scotland, mm-hmm. fine. Uh, Germany, France, anything that's, you know, you're, uh, basically European, Western European stuff like that. Right. That's not part of the Asian continent. So, and I didn't, we didn't do China or India. It just seems like that is very a very small roster. It is very small, exactly. So uh, for right now, WWE's we're gonna get talent out of those in the next. Uh, I would say the next, at least the next three years um, with their expansion. But so let's go to Europe. So. I'm going to start. This is a big pick, obviously. So, 1980s, Team Europe, first pick, WWF, Andre the Giant. I don't – he's from the uh, French Alps or yep. French – yeah. Yeah. I, the, mm-hmm. French Alps. Uh, very much a European country, France. A lot of people, I think, forget that he's from Europe. He's right. a European um, – I don't know. They do. Uh, they do. They- when you think of uh, the top talent from – basically the eighties, but not just that, but represented Europe at that time in the WWF constantly or any, and you can go across the, the AWA and wrestling all over the place and wrestling for Stu Hart and stampede as well. Right. Andre keeps coming up. Um, tremendous. I don't think I have to explain Andre the giant oh, to anybody geez. of what an eighties icon. And I would definitely make him part of the team. He's not my captain, um, but he is my enforcer. And, you know, it's a shame because when we were growing up, we saw Andre very much at the end of his career. Um, if you go back and watch, especially the build to WrestleMania three um, is awesome. And not just because his in-ring work, it's Andre. You know, mm-hmm. he's not he's not going to, you know, there's not a not lot of dazzle. Yeah, there's not a lot of razzle dazzle, yeah. um, but there's definitely a presence there. And he is, you know, definitely a feature that I would want on a team. So. Andre is my 1980s WWF pick. Now we're going to go to the Germany for my 1990s pick uh, in WCW and Alex Wright. So I see the smiles already at the nodding. Um, Alex Wright, I think, is tremendously underrated for the work he did in WCW. Um, I think if you looked at him, you were like, this guy is kind of goofy. Yeah. Um, but if you look at his as a as a gimmick, as a shtick, as right. a persona dance he doesn't mean correct um but if you see his in-ring work is very is very straightforward um you see it in indie wrestling now with the guys coming in wxw um because basically if it wasn't alex Wright, it was alex um axel dieter whose son wrestles for nxt now and you see that very german style which you don't see represented basically almost ever in WWE right. through especially the you know 90s and 2000s you didn't see someone that wrestled that kind of submission hard strikes once again that very kind of european style 
of wrestling where they make contact and if you you feel it there and it exists and um so i definitely wanted to represent alex wright on this list so he's my 1990s pick from wcw go back and watch just go on the network put alex wright it's all gonna be wcw but he was yeah he debuted in 1996 uh and he just he also wrestled as berlin but don't watch those matches yeah that was just silly that's true so, going from there, my early 2000s pick, I had trouble finding. Me so, too. Yeah. That's the one I was like, I, I told you on the messenger, yeah. I can't find my 2000s pick. So, I, you know, going with the EU team, and because I think the other thing you really got to look at for the 2000s is WWE didn't have competition in the 2000s. So, mm. when you go to the network and you want to watch from basically 2000, let's say early or late 2001 early 2002 to 2010 it's just wwe right. there was no wcw there wasn't ecw uh nxt was that reality sh- pseudo blend right. show they didn't have competition so it was very easy to pick a u.s or a, a team usa or a team canada or anything like that very limited um picks when you look at european uk Japan, you can make an argument for one or two guys. I, I know there was a couple of guys like Tajiri and who were doing good work then, but still not widely represented. Right. Um, so what I had to do was be a little creative and take someone that, yes, they were in WWE in the 2000s. Um, my preferred decade with them, probably not, but I did go with Fit Finley because he was Irish. Mm-hmm. Not a part of the UK. Right. Um, connected, but not part of the UK. And his the work he did uh, basically around the King Booker, because yes. he was the enforcer. He was, yeah. And I did choose him as my captain as well, but more for the work he did in WCW. Right. And where he, uh, at this time, if anyone knows, um, they- Finley is an agent. He works with talent. He's one of their best agents. Um, he can you know basically tell these guys anything and make it a great match and ring and everything like that. Um, so I definitely want him represented. Um, and he was my 2000s pick, uh, WWE. I can't really pinpoint basically pre Hornswoggle. He was good for a while. <laughs> he definitely had some great matches. Uh, did, at least yeah. very he physical He was always matches. solid when he was in the ring. Correct. Yeah. Uh, I, I attribute guys like him and like Hardcore Holly and those guys in the mid to early to mid 2000s in WWE had solid work. Like Absolutely. they could work with anybody mm-hmm. and it wouldn't be maybe the most flashy match of the night, but it would still be a solid match. You wouldn't be disappointed watching. Right. So that's why I went with Finley. So now we get to current day, um, wide open European. Not yep. wide. There's a lot of picks. Right. But to me, there's only one obvious guy. He's shaking his head. Yeah. And you're, and you're also wearing a shirt. Yeah. So <laughs> I went with Cesaro because I'm a wrestling fan. <laughs> yes. Cesaro. If you, uh, if everything he does is magic, it sounds corny, but he's one of those guys before we got on the podcast, we we're talking about the intangible of how he reacts with the crowd. If he's heel or face, that charisma still present. He's the guy you love to hate, hate the love all the time. Um, he's just, and his in-ring work is so smooth and so excellent. He does things so naturally. And you're like, he he's someone that if someone's like, wrestling's fake and everything they do is fake, it's like, watch this guy work. 
especially his matches with Cena right. sold me on him Amazing. 100%. Um, probably Cena's best opponent. He, you know, how Cesaro has not been a champion yet, and they've put that belt on so many other people. It's just like, give it to us. And I, I think we might get there. I know on, um, I, I, it's probably two or three years now when he was on the uh, Stone Cold had Vince on his podcast. Yes. And he's like, why hasn't this guy? Because everyone, everybody sees it. Everybody it, yeah. sees it from a mile away. Yep. So he's definitely my pick. And it, it's tough now because there is a lot of good European wrestlers right. being represented in NXT right. and, WWE, mm-hmm. and WWE today. But Cesaro by far is the best bred talent to be a global superstar at any level. And people uh, you know, that uh, knew him before is wrestling as Claudio. This is, you know, his real name. Uh, he obviously, uh, people can go uh, non WWE network, but he obviously he did stuff uh, with Chris Hero. Um, yeah. And they were ta- amazing tag team uh, uh, champions. And he, he did some work with Pro Wrestling Gorilla. I mean, he's been all over the map. He's been all over doing everything. And right now, him making promos work with the mouth garden is awesome. Like, yeah. he, he just goes. Like, it, now he's like, I have to wear this. It's part of my character. Yeah. That's it. And yeah. he just he's, he just moves on. He just evolves. I, 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 I yeah, he's. Like, amazing. you can't do anything. Like, I someone could cut off his leg. He will still figure out a way to make that work 100%. in ring every single time. 100%. So that's my team right now. Just to recap. So my 80s, Andre the Giant, who's French. Uh, I also tried not to pick the same countries twice. Oh, so, okay. So. I didn't Alex see that. Wright, but. <laughs> Alex Wright from Germany for my 1990s pick. Uh, Fit Finley's my captain, who's representing Ireland. And then the Swiss Superman himself. Or Swiss Cyborg now, because Superman is copyrighted. Uh, <laughs> Cesaro. <laughs> I'm guessing we have some duplicates on this list. <laughs> we have Mostly, some. Yes. We have some. Yeah. I want to see what happens when we get all four exactly the same. That would be interesting. That's just we're gonna end the podcast right there. Exactly. Like, Drop the mics. Let's yeah. go. We're done. It's a Highlander when you find the person. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> there can only be one. There can only Womack. be one. That's it. Uh, so yeah, the EU uh, actually was probably my hardest uh, list to pick. Because you said you have a lot of caveat. A lot of. Uh, I had to switch my list asterisks. A lot. I had on this one. Switch a lot on mine. Um, I had went through and I was like, oh. Because I originally, ironically, it was really funny. I had actually put Cesaro on my American team, and I was like, "Wait a minute, he's not from America." What? But but he's been so indoctrinated in the WWE. Yeah. I was just I, I didn't think about it because he's so good. You know, yeah. I don't think about anything else. But and I do that with Sheamus too. Yeah, I'm like, exactly. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I actually going to pick um, for my 1980s. Uh, he's known for his tag team work, but he actually had some pretty cool uh, matches in the mid 90s uh, in WWE. Uh, uh, Nikolai Volkov, oh, okay. uh, Croatian nice. uh, guy. Um, to watch his story, you know, coming from nothing, literally from nothing, you know, uh, and to be able to just work out. And the guy was just. And that's a name that you hear a lot, but I think people aren't completely familiar with his work. Right. You know, and he still gets name dropped quite a bit. He is. So, um, I yeah, that's a great pick. He's great. And also, he, he, he sold things really well for a guy who hadn't, you know, he had to learn how to speak English and had a, he had an accent, but he actually got better speaking as he's got, he got older. But he also had a, a, a weird comedic timing that you wouldn't expect. Mm. Like, especially when he did stuff with a million dollar man, when million dollar man, he was like his million dollar man was like his, his guys like, all right, you're going to go in, you're going to wear the million dollar suit. You're going to wear like he did uh, go on the network and watch stuff in the mid nineties uh, during raw. Like he, 
he had like this whole million dollar outfit on. He was like the million dollar like I forget what they called him, but he was like the his his guy, his 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 the 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 brutal the the force. He was like I, he's gonna go in and just destroy people, and I'm gonna pay him to destroy people, and that's what he did. And he did it really well, and I and it was cool to see his character kind of evolve because he was literally in the audience, and Vince was like, hey. He hadn't wrestled for a little while. Like, let's bring him back, and he, yeah. and he did a great job, and yeah. he put on some great matches. Uh, obviously, he's really known for his tag team work. Fantastic guy. Um, and you can watch. I think you can actually see some of his seventies and eighties stuff on the network. There's a lot. There's yeah, some classic he's got a stuff. Couple, he does. Yeah. He, so. he, his career definitely spans an, uh, a bunch of decades on the on the network. Exactly. So definitely go check him out. Nikolai Volkov. Uh, he's also a big shout out. I'm going to give a shout out to my friend, John Crowther. He's a uh, comic book uh, writer. He actually has a series about Nikolai Volkov. You can check oh, out hey. as well. Um, so definitely go check it out and Google him. Uh, fantastic. He talks about the history of him and how he got into the business and whatnot. Really cool. Uh, but yeah, Nikolai Volkov is my 1980s Croatian wrestler. I had to look it up because I didn't know where he was from. I forgot. So he's from Croatia. Was he built from Croatia? No, he was built from. No, he was built from somewhere else. I forget, like Russia or something. That's still counts. I forget. It's still. You're counts. still good. It still counts. <laughs> uh, uh, and then, of course, the, uh, this is going to start sounding very similar to your list because oh, these were just like people I had to pick. <laughs> I couldn't. So, '90s uh, Das Wunderkid, yeah, Alex Wright. Alex Wright. Uh, just incredible matches. Hugo I had a feeling anybody. that was going to happen too because yeah. we we're like, we have to go. We, we have to represent them. I just want to talk about them. And more. I even asked you. I was like, so for my, I was like. Does Finley count for the EU? And I was like, you're like, yes, that would technically count. Yeah. So I have Fit Finley, of course. Uh, we talked about how great he was. Uh, he's a great. Oh, for your 2000s? For my 2000s. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so it's hilarious. <laughs> I put him in there. But I do I do attribute his 90s work. I yeah, love very much work. so. Fantastic. Had some. Uh, there's a really great series he did with Booker T uh, for the TV title. You can check it out. Uh, amazing. They did for like maybe two months in a row. They were having these amazing matches. Uh, and uh, just fantastic. And he... I do agree. Pre Hornswoggle, like the Hornswoggle thing was really odd, really weird. Yeah, but I remember him. Was he in the, the Rebirth at ECW? Was, I feel yeah. as he was because he had yeah. some really great matches against uh, Matt Hardy. He did. Some really and good it stuff really in there. built Matt. That made Matt look like a great singles competitor, right. which I think Matt. You know, we don't attribute that now, right? But after they se- separated the Hardys and Jeff went to TNA for a while. Yeah, in the early 2000s, Matt kind of struggled because they wanted him to be a main event player, but he didn't feel like a main event player. Right. So a lot of the veteran guys really helped elevate that, and that's one one of the things I remember the most about Finlay and that ECW that short ECW run. I just loved how strong and like how he, how he would do a tombstone pile driver and just he just with the strength there that the he was like a he was a brawler. He just got in there and got after it, and he would do he would do some amazing soup. I'm a huge fan of suplexes. That's like. If I were to go through and be like, if you were a wrestler today, Johnny, what would be your thing? I would just, I would do every suplex on demand. I'd be the suplex machine. That would be like my gimmick. I would just suplex, like kind of like what Jason Jordan w- was trying to do when he was with uh, uh, American Alpha. Obviously, he's not doing that as much now, doing solo Talking stuff. Talking about getting over? Yeah, getting over. I was like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. True. Touche. Uh, and then, of course, my um, 2010 pick. Is yeah. of course <laughs> the Bulgarian, yeah, Bulgarian brute. Uh, no, I'm wearing a Cesaro shirt. I've I've been a fan of Cesaro when he had hair. So uh, well, has been a while. Lo- lo- love the guy. Uh, loved his stuff with Chris Hero, aka Cassius Ono. Uh, just fantastic guy in ring, and I loved his Cena match from two years ago. So we basically agreed on a European. We team did it pretty much. Three, uh, it, yeah. it, it's just amazing. And it is people. tough when you it put is. that limitation on right. it. I didn't think of that. Like you said, there's certain guys that you. 
you kind of embody and you kind of look at it and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you realize, oh, no, they didn't do this during this era. They, right. You know, this is the that stipulation of right. it has to be on the network. Yep. And there's other guys, obviously, from Europe, especially present day, that we just didn't You name. could put, like, even if you went to the Cruiserweight Classic, you could put Dumb Mac. I mean, there's a lot of people on there you could have put yeah. on there on the list yeah. that, that are, you know, from the Europe and whatnot. But I, I had to pick Cesaro. I mean, I have, like, four of his shirts, so. I had to pick him. So basically, that's Team Europe. We're yeah, that's Team sun. Europe. Fantastic group. I and mean, that would gonna, be an amazing. That be would a, be. That would be a really great like uh, stable. Just right the there. last three three of Alex Wright, Fit Finley, and Cesaro would be a lot of fun. And then you could throw Sheamus in there they, as well. That's true. It'd be great. It'd be so, really great. So what do we have next? Let's go over to the UK. You know, let's which, take a small break, and we'll come back okay, to the UK. So we're gonna take a small break of the Happy Hour, Johnny Deuce, and we'll come back for the UK. This episode of the Happy Hour with Johnny and Deuce is brought to you by. The Lakeland Role-Playing Guild. Join the adventure with the Lakeland Role-Playing Guild. Founded in 2000, the guild starts its 18th year of supporting and promoting the role-playing game hobby in September with a big anniversary party and some lightly structured games. The guild hosts too many convention-style game nights every month on the second and fourth Fridays where you can find up to four scheduled and prepared games plus up to three open tables all ready for a packed four hours of hobby-centered fun and fellowship. Among the regularly scheduled games on the LRPG's rotating calendar are three exclusive in-house ongoing campaigns one exclusive in-house mini campaign anthology series and a few periodic episodes of members personal home campaigns the majority of those games are rpgs but miniature war games hit the guild tables as well along with the occasional board game some events also feature instructional clinics and roundtable discussions on a variety of game rules techniques and theories so all participants can share their experience and learn more about the hobby from each other. The Guild also has planned gaming-free social outings on those random fifth Fridays that pop up some month. And of course, members of the LRPG take part in area conventions as players and game masters, as well as coordinate some activities with other gaming clubs. For more information on the Lakeland Role-Playing Guild, visit the website at lakeland rpg Dot com or check out the social media at facebook.com slash Lakeland Roleplaying Guild and on Twitter at Lakeland RPG plus hashtag Dice on the Road. Lakeland Roleplaying Guild. They play games! And we're back with the Happy Hour with Johnny Deuce. Of course, we have a special guest co-host, you forgot my name. No, I was gonna. You forgot just, my name. I was gonna. I, w- I didn't make his list of the UK team. No, uh, <laughs> we have uh, Mr. David Pasco uh, is on with us, and of course, we're doing our list for our our quasi Survivor Series kind of like international, international yeah. all over, which is really it's been really fun, and it's interesting to see people that we pick and people that that you forget to pick. You know, it's kind of interesting to see you know who's on, left on the table as well. So, um, you're gonna go with the UK now, right? We're gonna do UK, which is. My current favorite product, obviously. Um, but when you go back through the history, uh, I think I said this in the last last time we talked, that there's never been a UK WWE champion. Right. Um, even in WCW, there wasn't any huge over uh, uh, talent that represented the UK. Um, it's been sparing until recently, where now, once again, if you're picking just on the network, you have especially with the UK tournament, you have a plethora of guys to choose from. But if you go back the decades, 
it's few and far between, but some of the talents who came, did come from the UK and got a chance to shine and really, you know, innovated and made a name for themselves that's carried throughout the years, those ones have been um, their mainstays, their, their household names. 100% agree. Yeah. So let me kick this off with 1980s, and I think this one's kind of obvious. Um, if you're a WWF fan, um, because his name, it, you know, Parker's name is British. It's the British Bulldog. Now, at this time, British Bulldog was uh, a tag team expert, uh, Dynamite Kid. Right. Late 90s or late 80s, early 90s, that's when they started doing more of the singles wrestler. Um, because, when, of course, when I think of Bulldog, I think of his match with Brett at Wembley at SummerSlam, which was 90s. It was not 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, By the way. Yeah. Uh, so... You, it, a lot of people think about his early 90s stuff, but if you look at the late, the later 80s, he was still doing more, I wouldn't say more, athlete, he was definitely still built and an enforcer and a ton of muscle. And The dude yeah. is so jacked. He's so, and you go back and look at his, especially, like I said, his 80s and the 90s work. Um, it's a guy you look at and you'd be like, how is he not world champion? And I say it to myself, you know, he should have been. He should have been a champ at some point. You know, we always, you know, guys always talk about like Piper never holding the title and Henning and, but I'm like, Bulldog was definitely in the same, you know, guys, you know, doing back to back opponents being like, he wrestled Brett and then he went to a rivalry with Sean and built both those guys from IC competitors. Like they had enough faith and knew he was talented enough to get those guys over with the fans one as a face, one as a heel to move to the next step. I agree. So Bulldog was an obvious pick for me right away. So now moving on to my 90s pick, and I cheated on my – I didn't cheat. I I altered my 90s pick to make my 2000 pick. So this was to – this was an investment in future picks. Okay, there you go. (laughs) That makes sense. I'll I'll count it. My (laughs) 90s pick wasn't obvious to me at first. Then going back and looking at – I was trying not – once again, trying not to pick guys from the same promotion all the way through so i went with dave taylor oh great pick yeah so a lot of people know dave taylor was william regal's tag team partner in wcw um he was the heavy and saying that with regal is a lot so the best guy i can kind of compare him to is probably like Doug Williams, if you watch Doug Williams wrestle. Oh, yeah, wrestle. good pick. Good, good. Um, and then Dave Taylor had a slight reemergence in the 2000s. He, he was did. tag champions mm-hmm. again with uh, Regal. But very um, very straightforward wrestler. They were the blue once blunts, again. or no? I, I yes. think they were called the blue yeah, blunts, yeah. yeah. And, in WCW. Right. Right. And he, he didn't do anything incredibly innovative, but he never did anything that you'd be like, oh, my God, it, Friggin' Dave Taylor's wrestling ball. ball. He was a solid wrestler, Mm -hmm. solid foundation, um, very British style wrestling, um, very, you know, the British strong style type wrestling where he was very stiff on his strikes and once again, suplexes and holds and submissions. And he built that tension and he could get the other guy over tremendously. So with that being said, the reason he was my nineties pick is because my early two thousands pick and my captain is William Regal. And, it was obvious to me that Regal was going to be on this team. Right. Because when I think British wrestler, even as many British wrestlers I watch, uh, Regal is like the OG zero, like to what wrestling is now, what you think of that strong UK style is definitely William Regal. When you look at his 2001 run, you know, they did the commissioner Regal, mm-hmm. but he did have 
really good title runs with uh, the IC, with the European belt. He was uh, King of the Ring later on. He had the goofy stuff with, once again, a guy who aligned himself with the King Booker. And mm-hmm. I didn't like the King Booker gimmick, but the the alliance they made around, around him it, I agree. was yep. excellent. Seeing Regal, like, because I look at it and be like, I want Regal and Finley as my heavies. You know, like, that's a force it is. of really good wrestling, very talented wrestlers. They weren't just, you know, throwaway lackeys. They were a challenge, you know, to get to him. And I looked at that and be like, yeah, Regal's mid-2000s run from being... And he did comedic stuff too, where they the had him come man. out. Well, nine. Well, that, that was nineties, late nineties. That was yeah. yeah. But them doing um, stuff like dressing him like a showgirl or having you know stupid matches or his relationship with Tajiri and very he quirky. Do, he could be very quirky. Yeah, and at the same time, he you knew he was going to knock your you know knock your lights out. I remember him having a match with uh, Jericho, and they were making fun of each other's hair. Yeah, and it just like they had this very light background, like stupid backstage segment and then they went out and kicked the crap out of each other for like 15 minutes and you're like this was supposed to be like a fun thing but he just did not wrestle that way and the one match it's on the network i would tell people to go find to really see william regal besides his uh fcw stuff he did with dean ambrose which is brilliant uh watch that run watch their series of matches it was just and it, it was supposed to be uh mick foley Mick Foley was supposed to have that rivalry with Ambrose, but Foley didn't get medically cleared, and Regal did something else with it and took it in a place where they didn't expect it to go. It was excellent. But I would recommend people go back and watch that that series of matches, and then um, I would recommend our listeners to go find – there's a one-off of him versus Samoa Joe when Samo, before Samoa Joe even went to Japan – um, excellent match. You can kind of see a psychology. You can kind of see him working oh, with a younger guy. So and he, he's definitely a storyteller in the ring. Just watch his face. Watch how he plants his feet. You know, listen to guys like John Cena talk about his first couple matches were against Regal. Regal's who they used to put people in with for years mm-hmm. to see if you could cut it against other people. Goldberg's first pay-per-view match that he was longer than three minutes yes, long was against William Regal. And right. Regal's just like, ah, like he was so honest, right. but he made guys better. He did. So that's definitely was my, my 2000 pick. Um, that experience to him. Still, you see on NXT today. When well, yeah, because he's one of the trainers, one of the one correct. Of the, and they said, oh, he's the the commissioner or whatever thing else. But he legit does work right. for NXT. Yep. If you watch the, the breaking, breaking ground, ground. Yep. he is not afraid to yell at you for being a dumbass and let you know because he's trying to make you better. If you're not going to listen to him, that's it. So that's obviously why he's my captain as well. So now I get to current day UK. Um, oh, lots to choose from. Lots to choose from, and. There was two that came to my mind immediately. One is close to my heart, and one is should be the obvious choice. The one close to my heart was Trent Seven. I'm like, I kind of just want to shoehorn Trent Seven in here. He wrestled <laughs> in, uh, he wrestled in NXT, and he wrestled for the UK Championship as well. Um, but the Trent Seven that I love is UK Trent Seven, um, even though my first exposure was the UK tournament. But the guy that I had to pick because as much as I I, I love his stuff in progress and I love his stuff in Europe, but I really interesting to see what WWE builds with him is Pete Dunn. So Pete Dunn made my pick. Um, The reason 
when they announced the UK tournament earlier in the year, I was interested. I thought the belt was beautiful. I thought it was an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. I didn't know any of the guys on that stage. Same here. <laughs> yeah. You look at it and you're just like, all right, it's a bunch of British guys. But now in suits. you go back you go, with the you knowledge now, we have. Oh, you're like, yeah. You just enjoy it. You go yeah, back and rewatch exactly. it. Yeah. But um, I remember I was uh, I was working. I was driving home. And it was a two-day, it was over two-day, but the time difference. Right. So when it was live, we, it was like noon this time. It right, was it's like, five we, hours ahead. Yeah, so I, I, you couldn't watch it live. So I'm driving home, and I'm just, I'm at a light, and I just kind of get like the WWE alerts. And, you know, they're like, oh, watch day one. Da, da. I'm like, okay, whatever, doing whatever. I check my phone again, and they're like, UK uk competitor attacks other one i'm like what i'm like they're throwing a story i'm like it was this real like i i i immediately marked for it being like is this a storyline did he actually attack somebody else blah blah and that's the first time i read the name pete dunn i'm like well who's this pete dunn guy and then i started watching i watched like the intro to the uk tournament and then watched that and saw what they did afterwards and then you know they had the things on the phone where regal's yelling at him and then uh triple h telling him uh, uh, make a name for yourself, kid. And I actually have the sh- I have a Pete Dunn made a shirt that says that, and I that's have awesome. that one because I'm like, that's such a cool moment for this guy that a handful, you know, U.S. fans have no idea who this guy is and what he's done, right? Um, and following his career over the last year, and it's just amazing how far he's come in just months, just Incredible. and not even the UK stuff. Watch his NXT matches. <sighs> Especially the one from Takeover Chicago with Tyler Bate, with Tyler Bate for the UK Championship. One of my it, favorite matches of the year. It Maybe. well, WWE called it their match of the year. An NXT show featuring two UK guys is their match of the year right now, and that's not even the best Pete Dunne match I've seen this year. Right, and it just amazes me. I'm very excited to see what they do with him, and anyone. And he he uh, this week he has a shirt on Shop Zone. WWE Shop has a Pete Dunne shirt. And that I'm just like he's coming, like it's coming. And as special as I think he is now, I can't wait to see because he's 22 or 23. That's insane. Where he's gonna be at 25, you know, or 28 or 30. His psychology and the way he wrestles and his physicality, and he's he's a true heel. You look at him, and you're like that guy's a heel. I don't know <laughs> yeah. anything about wrestling, but I know this guy's a dickhead. Agreed. And he's going to do the worst things possible to the guy I'm supposed to cheer for. Yeah. And that's what I'm like. Pete Dunn is obviously my pick. So just to recap. Run down the line. I could. Okay. I Yeah. We can do, you know, Pete cast for the rest yeah, of the exactly. day. I just love the guy so much. So 1980s, uh, WWF, British Bulldog. 1990s, Dave Taylor, WCW. Uh, my captain would be 2000s William Regal in WWE, and my current is uh, Pete Dunne from the UK Championship slash NXT. Right. So that was my Team UK. Awesome. Now you gotta, Now that I raised the bar so high, and now you're about to read the same names back to me. Actually, no. Uh, <laughs> it is funny because this is the one I had to change the most because I've fallen so much in love with UK wrestling, especially within the last month uh, talking to you, that I – Realize that most of the people that I I was going to originally pick were not on, have not been on. I tell you what, my two thousands was Doug Williams. Oh, wow. and I was doing nineties William Regal, but I'm like, oh, Doug Williams was TNA right. Impact, right. and I'm like, I'm like, oh please, he was a scrub match somewhere where yeah. I could just say his name, but no, nope. that did not happen. He had a heat match. I know he did. No, so, <laughs> uh, I actually, I actually, I'm picking a guy that's actually more known for his training than being in the ring. Uh, Stone Cold brings his name up a lot uh, as being one of his people that he was influenced by a lot. And he's just incredible, 
great grappler, great submissions uh, specialist. Uh, no longer alive, unfortunately. Uh, the gentleman, Chris Adams. Yeah. Uh, fantastic guy, great worker. The godfather of almost UK wrestling yep. in general. Um, you can't, if you go back to early UK, like World of Sport, Chris Adams, that's it. There's not another name that really exists. It's Chris Adams and the early Starcades and stuff. Oh, uh, that's great what pick. I was going to bring great up. Star- yeah, yeah. Starcades, because like. That was where I was like, cause that was that's what's the the beauty of the network is going back and watching stuff that you never got to watch when you weren't alive or you just never got a chance to check it <laughs> when out. You weren't thought of, right? Yeah. You weren't even a, a twinkle in your mother's eye, you know. Uh, and so it was like, it for me going back and watch his work. It just he didn't talk a lot, you know. He he was you know obviously he's called the gentleman for a reason. He was very pro- posh and proper and and the way he presented himself when he walked into the ring he, the, the dude had moxie he had he had uh you know charisma and the guy just worked his ass off and and just hearing like stone cold and everyone uh edge and everybody talking about how fantastic of a guy he was uh and just how great of a in-ring uh you know psychology and this this you know just everything he does with grappling and then just his training he loved the sport so much that he put he became pretty much just stopped wrestling and just became a trainer. And he yeah. went through and he had his own school. And uh, Stone Cold talks about it on his podcast a lot. He was one of the first guys who stopped, I wouldn't say early in his career, but far enough in his career that he could have continued on, but decided to get the next, the next generation ready to do right to be good in the ring. He wanted to groom the next generation. Yeah, uh, and he he realized the he to to continue on with his love of the sport he wanted to make sure there was people out there that idolized the things that he idolized and the things that he grew up with and he wanted to showcase that with people and to kind of keep that love of the sport alive uh from his perspective and i think he did a fantastic job obviously you can go on wikipedia and see everyone he's trained it's it's a huge list of yeah. people he's trained uh and he has a school and he worked with he's worked with everybody too i mean he you just go on wcw you'll find stuff at star k wwf wwe everything yeah. he's all over the he's spectrum. one of those guys um when I think of him, I think of uh, like Danny Birch now or Martin Stone, who wrestles on the Indies. Who you don't see him win a ton of matches, but once again, he he gives a performance that makes the other talent better in the ring somehow. Right. And Chris Adams was doing it before it was cool. Yeah, yeah. that type of thing. Oh, absolutely. So, so I agree. That was a great pick. Great he's pick. my '80s pick. Um, my '90s pick is very obvious. Uh, he's also my captain. Uh, at the time, he was known as Lord Stephen Regal oh. uh, in WCW. Uh, William Regal, of course. Yeah. Uh, just uh, now, where do you think the contrast is? Because you went '90s, and originally I was going to. Um, what do you think the big contrast between WCW Lord Stephen Regal and you know 2000s? WWF William Regal. What do you think the main contrast? Not in wrestling, but basically character. Where WCW, I, what do you think? Is it is it more character based? Is it how he sure. wrestled in the ring? Um, I think his in ring style s- stayed similarly. Um, but mm-hmm. he was very, he was he did a lot of tag team stuff with yeah. WCW, and I love this tag work. Uh, and um, I I feel like with with the WCW, he just. He, he really like honed his heel character because he's obviously been a heel most of his career or, 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 or appeared to be. A heel I would think he is the even I think he was someone that he was a, such a good heel. He became over for being a heel. right. Exactly. Uh, and just I loved especially in WCW. He was a guy that you were like, what is this style of wrestling? What is this British wrestling? You know, I, I didn't know. I didn't know anything about British wrestling and going in and watching him and, and tagging and, and like even doing solo stuff. Uh, with Chris Jericho and yeah. just like he, 
he would just be like, come on, boy. He'd be talking to people in the ring. He'd be like, you call that a suplex? You know, that didn't do nothing to me. He'd like talk to people in the ring. Yeah, and I'm it, like, you, this is a time where you did you could hear it. You were still hearing this before like the mics got really hot like they do now and you can hear people calling matches. But back then, you'd, he'd be talking so loud that the audience would hear him and he'd, he would be like, booing him or yeah. especially if he was doing it against a guy that was really hot he'd just be putting him down the whole and match especially with that angle i think the big thing that always attracted me to him is when he would get guys in like a in a stretch or in a you know oh. a headlock he would tell the story with his face he would yeah like he would be disgusted with the guy that he had to touch to get him in the like it he told a story from the time he came through and it's a shame that the saturday night uh uh, WCW Saturday Night stuff is not on the network right oh. now because he did. They used to give him so much more time they on did. that show, they did. and he main evented that show way too many times. Mm-hmm. He was always towards the top or the top of the hour. Um, excellent, yeah. I, like I said, originally I wanted to do it, and he was just he embodied so much and someone that should have once again should have been in that main event picture. This you know the the normal tale of WCW. The yeah. guys that we love now right. should have been in that picture they when been. they were hot, and it just didn't. And of course, he's my captain. I love him. He's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, my 2000s was a weird pick because I love him more now than I did in 2000, but I had to put him in because he deserves the respect. And, and if he's in a match now, he'd be amazing. Uh, Drew McIntyre, I had to, I had to put him in. Okay. So yeah, yeah. because obviously Drew Galloway, you know when he was out of WCW, but when he came in, he was actually, he was like the chosen one or the chosen one. Yeah. Yeah. So like he was actually elevated and and lifted. And then of course he got, you know, booking and, and just, just proper improper. uh, When he had, he had a really great IC title run um, when he was on SmackDown. Right. And you know, he was Vince's chosen one and everything else like that. And he, um, Oh man, all I can think about is that baller, (laughs) theme song he had he had one of the greatest theme songs Dude, of all awesome. time amazing they can't get the copyrights anymore you'd still have it oh, I'm like, oh no but yeah that's a great it's it's weird to see him contrast to how he is now right but he was a different kind of good then and he's, he's more def- lean he was more you know he he wasn't he's a lot you know i mean but the muscle he put on them yeah. the last five he looks years. like he's grown like a foot yeah, since he wrestled he does, and it's yeah. all posture and getting comfortable with his wrestling and style. his uh i mean that's the thing is like i actually love him more now after what he did with what culture for wrestling watching how amazing yeah. like put on five-star matches consistently in that on that pro- promotion of course other promotions as well but like just knowing this is the guy that could have been bigger you know what i mean yeah. seeing how he, and now bringing him back to nxt and how oh, he's put i mean the, co- the promos he's cutting on nxt is just unbelievable he looks like, like a champion too. he does and for a european yeah. wrestler to come out and represent that way is really impressive. And um, actually, I don't think he counts as we have to look at he's Scotland. I'm oh, thinking about he? that. Oh, is he? Yeah, he's not a UK. Oh, no. He, are, are you, would it I'll get it. I'll, we'll count it for today. I guess. We'll, we'll I'm just, just thinking about like, wait, no, true. he's from here, Scotland. He is, yeah. Oh. Well, uh, well. Disqualified. Well, disqualified. You're done. Uh, on that one. Uh, but yeah, of course. Uh, I win the podcast. He it's wins. Done. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but I see what you're saying. Yes. I mean, yeah. I, I love him more now than I did back then. Correct. And uh, going back and. But re- no, that's a good pick, and he, he deserves to be mentioned. And right, he does. If anyone, if the only thing you're familiar with Drew McIntyre is 3MB, go back. 
Right. Because he was in he was in mid card hell and he was doing opening matches and stuff like that. Go back and watch when he was the chosen one and we'd come out and especially his IC title run is right. very impressive. Uh, and then of course the two thousands, uh, two thousand tens, uh, was a tough one because the especially the UK tournament yeah. was my first exposure to a lot of these guys. And then we're now going back as as I said before, I went through a YouTube rabbit hole the other night, staying up to two AM watching yeah. Probably fifteen different amazing just UK wrestlers um, and amazing stuff. Uh, I I went ahead and picked um, Tyler Bate because what I've seen what he's done in NXT alone, not even just the UK tournament, just NXT alone. The guy is just hundred percent every time he's in that ring, and I love I love how like humble he is, and but he's he's got all this talent, and the dudes. I cannot and I cannot stop staring at his his quads. The dude's leg muscles are huge. Like he reminds me. I loved how Jr. talked about it in the UK tournament. Uh, how he's kind of reminds him of a, of a of a younger um, Bob Backlund, where he's got that center of gravity and he's really strong in his his core. And I just love he can do he can do high flying stuff. He's good at grappling. He's I don't know. I just love the guy's char- his character. And then when I get to see him with Trent Seven now and like just the whole. The British strong style, well, you know, mustache yeah. mountain. Mustache mountain. Uh, he's just incredible, and then of course his match with Pete Dunne, I I just flipped out for. I just think he's incredible. I love I just I love his little hand waving in the beginning. He's just so humble and just so like, and he's he's really growing his beard now. He originally just had the mustache, and now he's really growing it. But like he looks I, like an adult. He like he looks like he's grown about five years. He's only what, he's twenty, only, right? Twenty. He's twenty. 20 that's he it. was 19 when he won the uk championship that's insane back in to me yeah. to think i mean the in the guy just and of course going back and watching him on other promotions he's just right incredible. where you have to see a little bit more see okay <laughs> i'm, I'm not gonna dig tough. i'm it's not gonna tough. dig well i'm not gonna dig too deep right tyler bay is by far my wife's favorite wrestler right so this year has been spent a lot of time watching everything uh tyler Bate. Trent Seven and Pete Dunn has done and has accomplished over the last couple of years. Um, I went down the rabbit hole trying to find as much Tyler Bate stuff. He wrestled in WXW. There's actually a match with him and David Starr, which is excellent oh, cool. for the championship. I gotta check that out. Um, it's actually on Fight Network for free. Oh, so, nice. There you go. You can look that up. Sweet. After we're done here. Yes. Not now. No. Yes. Not now. <laughs> <laughs> um, the reason I didn't pick him, I think he had a great story through the tournament, but. I'm someone that's like, okay, why did he have a great story? Because he had a great antagonist. That's why I kind of lean towards okay. Pete. Sure. Uh, Tyler, I've seen wrestle live. Whew, oh, geez, eight times this year, oh, which wow. is impressive awesome. for someone that's he. He's not over here. Right. I wrestled Sam wrestle heel tag team uh, as UK champion. I saw him wrestle for NXT. Um, I rest, saw him wrestle a dark match against. Um, uh wesley blake so i've seen him wrestle a variety of different wrestlers and he is once again at 20 insane um my one critique and me and my wife talk about all the time is he needs to come up with a mic persona he they haven't given him a ton of mic time they did the you know behind the scenes things and he you know he has a sense of humor he has a dark especially if you watch progress and when he turned heel spoilers um, he has kind of a dark edge, but he's still entertaining. And he, when he's around guys like Pete, um, when he's around guys like especially Trent Seven, his personality amps up. Oh, 100%. so I think when he figures out how to do that on his own, right? How to build himself, 
um, he's going to be a talent that we're going to see for a bunch bunch of years. I had to put to him come. on the list because I, I I think there's enough on the network that showcases why he's great. Yeah. Uh, but he's his best matches aren't on the network. His best matches are outside the network. So it's like it's one of those things where it's like it's he's great. But he's even better. I don't think he's done his best work in WWE. Yeah, that, WWE that NXT match and Takeover is definitely the best thing he's done. He's, um, I think his if if you want to go down a rabbit hole and find a match that he is awesome in is Super Strong Style 16 from this year that's on progress. Night two he wrestles uh, Matt Riddle, and uh, it's, uh, funny story, real fast. Uh, me and my wife met Matt Riddle at the Orpheum. Uh, and my wife brought up that match. She was like, I loved your match with Tyler. And Matt Riddle's like, spoilers. Uh, he's like, oh, the one I lost? She goes, yeah, but she goes, Tyler was so good that night. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, I love – I think she was wearing like a Mustache Mountain That's t-shirt awesome. too. She's like, she's like, I just love Tyler Bates so much. <laughs> she's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> so he's like, I understand, I understand. Um, but no, I, I, any of those guys – uh, especially you can, UK tournament. You can I could talk about a lot of the guys on UK tournament yeah. in depth. Right. Um, and you should go watch it if you that. haven't. Pro if you, especially yeah. watch night. Even if you don't want to watch the prelim stuff, there's some good stuff in the prelim. Uh, watch night two. Uh, night two is excellent, especially the final four, which was Wolfgang, Tyler, and then it was uh, Mark Andrews, Pete Dunne, who have wrestled a thousand times. Right. And you can just tell that they're two guys whose chemistries just mix. They know each other's so. styles really well and they definitely Yeah, and yeah. they've done a lot of business together in the past right. and you just it's unbelievable to see. Excellent. To so say. that's our our UK our UK teams. Yes. So where are we going now? We are going to go across the Atlantic and let's start in the south because I think our I think USA and Canada will end with USA. So let's go let's go Mexico. Now, this one was tricky. And this is the one that I, I probably tweaked the most because what happens is in WCW 90s and WWF 80s build a lot of guys from Mexico that weren't from Mexico. Um, a lot of guys were born in the U.S. They were trained in a Lucha style or, you know, a Latin style or it's a bit like LWL. A lot of those guys, not really Mexican, no. but were trained in the style. So you have to kind of pick and choose and see, you know. Well, I might have failed from. on a couple of them. <laughs> I, I went through and saw where they were billed from, and right. that's why I kind of like said, yeah. okay, I'm going to do where they're billed from. So the first one to start, 1980s, WWF, a legend who I don't think gets the credit. You hear his name up there, but it was hot as hot as any other WWF guy in the 80s, and that's Tito Santana, who – not from Mexico, but was billed from Mexico. Right, he was billed there, yeah. Correct. Um, throughout his career. Um, I remember watching him as a kid. Of course, we watched him later in his career. Um, once again, a very solid wrestler. Um, huge heart. You know, classic face character, WWF. Him in, like, Steamboat, I would put on the same level. Sure. Of yeah. skill, endurance, getting the crowd over, being, you know, as big of a face as they could. You could put him against... Any heel in the company and either get that heel over with, you know, sympathy and empathy and stuff like that. And just really solid throughout entire career. I can't tell you to go see a single match. I remember a lot of his, uh, he was always a great Survivor Series. You know, we're talking about the teams. Right. And that's, he came to mind watching the old Survivor Series matches. 
because he was always with top talent right. with the warrior hogan or he was always with the bigger groups where it'd be like you know the top tag team at the time hogan and then like tito Santana, and you're like why Santana? And then you, if you go back, you're like, that's why he yeah. always had great mid. He was the king of the mid card. If he there was. was a mid card championship, yep. <laughs> a wing of the hall of fame, he would definitely be in it. He's like, once again, Mr. Perfect and bulldog. These guys were as good. They just, you know, there was such a bright light on guys like Hogan and right. warrior and macho at the time that there wasn't room at the he top. He got overshadowed now, by it. Correct. Yeah. And that happened a lot, but he's still an excellent wrestler, and that's why he made my 80s pick. Great pick. So now we're going to go to 90s, and now this is where the technicality is coming. So my Hope 19- I didn't fail any. <laughs> my 1990s pick, I picked Rey Mysterio Jr. Okay. So he was billed from Tijuana, Mexico. Right. Not from Tijuana, Mexico. Trained in Mexico. Not from Mexico. Not born in Mexico. But... If you went with 2000 Rey Mysterio, it was San Diego, California. He was right. built from, not Tijuana. But early in the career, technicality, I want Rey Mysterio. If you want me to say what match, Halloween Havoc 97 oh. versus Eddie Guerrero, Cruiserweight Championship, uh, Mask versus Title, that's it. The, you And any of the stuff you did in mid-card, you can go look up. But definitely go back. And if you haven't seen that match, go watch that match. You don't have to watch the whole pay-per-view. Because... Right. The main event's a cluster. Right. Agreed. <laughs> uh, but I just talked. I just listened to a podcast with uh, Tony Schiavone and Conrad Thompson. They were t- talking about this match again, and they hadn't visited in a couple of years. And they're like, "This is Conrad Thompson's. Like, this is probably one of the best matches I've ever seen." And just the spots that they do, and how amazing Ray and how young Ray was at the time. Yeah. And he was breaking not just breaking in with his style, but with his age and his size. And he broke those barriers down for years, but really where he established himself was WCW. And an interesting fact, listening to that podcast, is they were talking about Bischoff wanted to take the mask off Ray then in 97. Oh, okay. And Ray refused. They were going to let him walk, all this other stuff. But everyone fought being like, you do not want this guy to walk. So the agreement was that Ray would lose his mask later in his career, but not at that time. They thought they could really sell the the mask for a while, let them build, and make it more important in the future, which they were right. Still, I don't think that he should have lost it the way he did right. in WCW, mm-hmm. but that's another tale for another day. Yeah. But just thinking there was a chance in 97, right before that match, that they were going to let Rey Mysterio walk out that door would have been devastating. It would have been, yeah. Yeah, and he was so young. He was another guy, like we were talking about Tyler and Pete. He was so young in his career at that point in the mid-90s and so hot and doing not just, you know, Lucha is shocking to the U.S., but his form of it was just unbelievable. So that's why he made my made my pick, Great pick. for uh, 1990s. Now, uh, oh, by the way, uh, Tito Santana is my captain yes. just because experience. That's the only reason yeah. I based it because all these other guys where I pick them in their career are very young in the career. So 2000s was tough. So I had to go early 2000s, 2001, ECW, super crazy. Now, Good when point. I started watching ECW a lot, super crazy was almost on every card. Um, I remember seeing them build him as a mid card. Um, wrestling guys like uh, he had a, a ton of matches with Tajiri mm-hmm. and you know that style wrestler but towards the end of ECW he had really good programs with Rhino who Rhino ended up being their television and the world champion when it closed out right and super crazy was the first guy who I saw do 
the lucha hardcore style where he would jump off the balconies he would jump through tables he would, he would yeah and he lived up to the market crazy, he was yeah. super crazy yeah. and he did the uh three the three moonsaults oh, and he just he did stuff and he's not a small guy no he's a built guy he's never been super thin uh, he reminds me of if you see Shocker and uh, or, Lucha or La Parca. Lucha, yeah, he's a yeah. bigger luchador, right. but he just and I I wouldn't was never a fan of what they did with in WWE because ECW felt more of like that Mexican lucha libre style. I agree. Like yep. it, like 100%. like the style of lucha libre you would he see. He was toned down in WWE. Correct. Yeah. In like a um the arenas in Mexico City, like he was that kind of wrestler. Um, very felt like very shoot like he was unpredictable so I thought that was an important pick that's and a really good go back, pick yeah and go back and watch later it's tough to watch TNN had very few good ECW but he was one of the highlights especially when they started bringing some of the younger talent up Agreed. to showcase so that's a really good pick super crazy uh, 2000 so now we get to current or no no yeah current yeah, day current yeah day. yeah because early 2000s for super crazy so current day Originally, I had Alberto Del Rio. My wife saw the list because we talked about it stuck in traffic on I-4. And she's like, she goes, why? Because she cannot. She's like, I never. she's never seen why he's so special. And I'm like, who else would you pick? She goes, like, you got to do better. You got to do better. Actually, I think I had him in my late 2000s Yeah. Um, when he won the Rumble. And even then, he wasn't incredibly hot the only thing i attribute him to is edge's last match yeah (laughs) that's about it and losing to dolph ziggler in the biggest pop you'll ever see ever Mm -hmm. so i'm like she's like so the two matches she goes you would base alberto on are the two he lost (laughs) i'm like yes yeah they're important losses and she's like no you gotta do better so i went and I really had to think about it, and I came down to um, someone I've seen wrestle a bunch this year live in uh, Andrade Cien Almos in oh, NXT. Good pick, good pick. Now, I don't like him on TV, and a lot of people don't understand why he's there. If you go and watch his pay-per-view matches, he's on almost every takeover for the past almost two years now. Win or lose. Once again, he's a guy where... When Rude came in and when Shin, like all these guys, when they're coming in, they put in CN. Mm-hmm. History tells you there's a reason for that because this guy is so even keel in the way he wrestles and the, 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 the way he moves in the ring is charisma and the way he gets the other guy over is special. Now, a lot of people compare him to Eddie and his style. Yes, he doesn't have that charisma yet. He's there. Um, he's getting there. I was really shocked with his match with uh, Johnny Gargano. Oh, great match. I had zero expectations for that match. I was glad Johnny solo. But when he won that, and they had that quick swerve with the you know building Johnny's character, right. but still made Johnny look good, and CN got over, and then now they're putting CN in more important matches. And the rematch, uh, I think it was last week or two right. weeks ago, mm-hmm on NXT was just as good. And I'm like, this guy is going to be special. We're, we're probably fortunate as a fans that he's been in NXT so long and they're grooming him to when he does move up to the main roster, he's going to be a bigger deal. And I agree. He, I feel like he's just going to have that, that moment in WWE or in NXT where 
you're not going to take notice and you'll be like, what's that? He's going to have that match. And it might be against McIntyre. It might be against Cole. It might be a rematch against Gargano, but it's going to happen. And I feel like we're on the precipice. I, that the right I, that's a great word. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Of that happening for uh, CN in the near future. But his, his match quality is solid all right. the way around. Um, you can't deny his talent. So that's why he made, you know, he's a newer talent, but that's I think pick. he's very, he's very much there. Yep. That's great. I mean, so that, that was your picks um, from Mexico. That was Team Mexico. Team Mexico. Um, and uh, so now it's my turn to go through my list. Uh-oh. <coughs> Several pages, I see. You're just going to name all of Mexico alphabetically. 100%. <laughs> So I failed on this uh, because I I, I I I so I failed on the list, but I'm still gonna talk about my list. You and still why get credit. I, I, I'm I'm I, you win this round. If you're gonna do a winner loser, you win this round because you you did the correct rules. So I lost, but I did pick great talent. I picked them all from the net where they are on the network, so I got that part right. But from their build, I I totally screwed the pooch on that one. Oh, that's fine. So that's fine. So anyways, uh, we're gonna start with uh, the '80s uh, Tito Santana. Hey, look hey, at that. so that's good. Uh, I actually loved watching him uh, when my dad and I we were watching yeah. uh, Tuesday Night Titans and Saturday Night Main Event. Like he was, he was always a guy that put on a solid match. And you know, I can't think of a, a TV in the eighties he wasn't on. Amazing. Like they like he wrestled too. He did. He, he yeah. never like like Hogan and them. They, sometimes they just had a segment or right, they, cut they would talk to him or something like that. But like Santana wrestled mm-hmm. <laughs> all the time. Yeah, he was very energetic and very enthusiastic, and I just I loved just watching him. You know, come in and just put on a solid match. He was he was great, and he's a guy that I appreciated more as I grew up because I get to go back and watch more of his matches. Because the thing is, as a kid, you, you're like you're more pure in the wrestling. And when I was watching, I was just more watching it for the theatrics and, and the characters and exactly. stuff like that. And he never had like a big over the top no. character. That's why I like Warrior and Macho Man and all of them, and they were always like people gravitate towards them because you know you're just kind of getting into the sport. But now it's like going back and watching him. He was very solid in the now, early '90s. They tried the matted. Oh, they did, didn't they? And that just I forgot about yeah. that. When they're like, we got to repackage you as a character. That's right. And yeah. it was at the end of his career. and I it forgot just, about that. Yeah. No one really. It was like, you didn't have, It's Tito Santana. We exactly. Got it. okay. uh, and so this is how I messed up. Uh, messed up twice, actually. Uh, so I, I put 90s Eddie Guerrero, but he's actually from Texas, right? From El Paso, Texas. Yeah, from he's El always Paso. been built right. from El Paso, Texas. Right. So I, I screwed that one up. Uh, but I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give you reasoning why. Uh, because I was going through the list and I was like, "Who Mexico? Like who's Mexican?" So I I just didn't forgot no, where he, he was built. Now his family wrestled Mexico, right? His father, his Guerrero, grandfather. Oh, Gory, yeah. all them yeah. were legends, right? Mexico. Yeah. Um, he obviously trained down there and worked right. down there, and his family's from there. So right. I, I did the same thing, being like, "Oh, I can get Eddie and Ray on this," and it's right. like, "Nah." I bet you. I I put Ray on my next. I one. bet you did. I put Ray on two thousand. That's where I messed up. Because and that's he was built from San Diego, right? At he, that was, time. he was. That's where uh, when he was in WCW was Tijuana. Um, well, because I wanted to put Eddie in there, but you also, both of them. I wanted both on the list because we want to talk about them. We want to talk about once them, again. Yeah. Uh, you can't at any iteration of their, even <laughs> when I think of those two together, I think that that weird Dominic uh, storyline where it was. Oh race, gosh, uh, it forgot was, all about now, that. The storyline was awful, but go back and watch the match that they had at SummerSlam. Or their opening match when they were tag champions against each other at WrestleMania. Right. When they touched, it was 
now they wrestled thousands of times. Most of it we never saw because it was in house shows or small right. venues or anything like that. You know, the Halloween Havoc, it was lightning in a bottle. It still it is. It's something yeah. so, so special. Yeah. And they always had that chemistry when they touched. So I, I, I understand trying to get both of them. So on I failed. The same we time. agree. I failed on yeah. the build from, but, but no, the only style, network, yeah, yeah, correct. Exactly. There's the Latino style. Uh, but also, uh, you mentioned 1997 Halloween Havoc. I would go back uh, a year prior. Um, in 1996 Bash of the Beach, uh, Rey Mysterio Jr. versus Psychosis. They were the opening match in 1996 mm-hmm. Bash of the Beach. Put on a clinic, plunches out the wazoo. I mean, plunches and and just just Hurricane Rana City. It was the craziest showcase of lucha libre uh at the time because i remember watching it and i was like wow this is incredible it was one of the few pay-per-views i could get that year and i was yeah. just like really just blown away when i got and to when watch you it. compare the styles of lucha libre between ray and eddie um eddie had a lot more in-ring psychology i agree a ton more uh where he like regal he told a story with his face his actions he knew what the audience wants you know he he could read the crowd um which is a intangible you just right. can't do right so i agree and so and and, and uh, eddie guerrero it's kind of funny because i would want to put them both in the 90s is that's where i love them the best yeah but eddie did some good stuff in, in wwe oh he, in the 2000s was, right. uh, with stuff against when they put him in the main event pitcher right his talent rose 100 uh, against cena against lesnar against angle he had great matches against angle he got edged to f- feel like a main event player. He was another guy who just elevated everyone yeah. around him. And also, I noticed his style changed a little bit in WWE. He 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 could still do lucha libre, but he was more he got bigger, obviously bulkier, more muscle. So he was able to showcase more slams and like his brain buster looked really brutal in the WWE, uh, WWF. And uh, he just he was able to kind of. I think he was better at combating because he was big, he got bigger. I feel like he was better to go with bigger guys than than Ray. And he was very polished. He was. Yeah, um, it is funny because if you go back on the network and watch their um, the documentary about CM Punk, and Punk was doing indies, and Eddie people forget this left WWE for a very short amount of time. It was less than a year, right? Because he had problems, but he did indie bookings. And CM Punk's like, I thought I was the best. I was better than everyone that I ever touched and wrestled and blah, blah. And he goes, and then I wrestled Eddie Guerrero and realized I knew nothing about professional wrestling. So think about that. When Punk was escalating pre-Ring of Honor being like, I, I rule the Indies, it's me. He wrestled Eddie Guerrero once in front of like 50 people. And he's like, I don't know anything compared to this guy. This yeah. guy is just he's, everywhere he's in the it. ring. And the footwork and the psychology and just being able to be in that moment. He's like, you know, and that made me go back and be like, wow, what? You know, go back and watch Eddie's stuff. Like like you said, late mid-90s to mid-2000s. Incredible. Right before, and lost him way be, right before his time. Oh, way. he could still be wrestling today. I really and do he believe would, that. Oh, yeah. Or at least or, be a trainer in NXT or I think, something. yeah, that's where I would see him right. is bringing that next generation. And once again, all around, everything he did, high-flying strikes, Mike, promo, personality, persona, 100%. everything. The full he package, get, yeah. Uh, correct. He can make you laugh, make you cry. You can hate him. You can hate him in the beginning Latino match and love heat. him at the end. Uh, my <laughs> yeah. favorite thing he ever did is one of you, his and Kurt Angle when Kurt Angle was the GM. Oh. And he stole that trophy from him. Yes. He's like, look what I found in the parking lot. So that great. still makes me laugh. Uh, and everything with the low rider. Yeah, his comedic Eric. timing was excellent. Yeah, um, I think really underrated as a as as a just a showcase like entertainer. You know, he was very yeah, underrated. Great heel, excellent. I, right. I liked him more as a heel. Right. But when he was 
comical or funny, like the stuff you did with Chavo. Oh yeah, when he's, the line cheat steal is yeah. so funny, amazing. So, funny. so uh, my final pick uh, was actually pretty easy because uh, I have actually seen him wrestle in other promotions. Uh, he was he was actually it's Grand Mantelique. Uh, okay, okay. But he was uh, known as uh, Mascara Dorada um, and other promotions, uh, and I feel like he. He did a great job. He's a guy that actually he got signed with WWE, but he they haven't showcased. He didn't showcase he, correct much well. the CWC, and then he, once again, some lucha libre translates well with other wrestlers. Right. Um, if you probably put him in the ring with Kalisto or um, Sin Cara, you'll get something special. Mm-hmm. But what? And you know, it, I I thought about Metalik too. Yeah. I just haven't been wowed by his 205 stuff. I think in the, the tournament, he was great. He's great, yeah. But I think the 205 stuff, I'm like, I still want to see that that growth. I watched a lot of his uh, CMLL stuff and other different promotions from, from Mexico and like just watched stuff on YouTube. And like this is before he was even – because what happened was I was watching – I forget what I was watching, but I was watching something on, on – on something on online and they were talking about CMLL and they were talking about promotions, other promotions that they groom people for CMLL. And I forget the name of the promotions, but they were like, yeah, um, Mascara Dorada. Uh, you know, he's like, he's been like training people and showing people and all this. And then, and then I found out he was going to be on the, uh, Cruiserweight classic. And I was like, well, I got to research all of this kind yeah. of stuff. Yeah. And, uh, just blown away. But he was kind of like, he's like a fusion of ultimate dragon meets, uh, Ray Mysterio. The guy can do everything. He's a little bit bigger. He's not, you know, a short guy. He's, he's a bit larger. Uh, st- uh, size and everything, but he can just move in the ring, and the guy just excellent in ring. And hopefully, we get to see more of him. But my problem shine. was he hasn't been on the he, he hasn't, hasn't been on in a while. Yeah, yeah, so maybe it's repackaging, or maybe it's they're trying to figure out what it is that right. they need to do with him. Yeah, so, hopefully, hopefully it's not they're just burying him, and be like, hey, don't show up for TV. So he's technically in two hundred five live, but I Correct. wouldn't recommend going watch his two hundred five live. Two hundred five live in general, we could do another show on it. I'll do yeah, I would probably just go back to the CWC. That's a great and, showcase uh, watch for his stuff, yeah, especially yeah. his final match with uh, I think it was Perkins' best match. Oh yeah. Um, there's a lot. I was very surprised when he made the final, and then when you watch his last match, you're like, "Oh, that's why." Because yeah. it's solid, Incredible. solid, and a great showcase of mm-hmm. the lucha libre style. I so I, I agree. That's so good. that's uh, other than my uh, Ray that's Eddie fine. mix up. That's that fine. that was my Mexico list. So, okay, yeah. where are we going next? We're, let's go to um, our brothers to the north, America's hat itself, uh, Canada. So this one should be fairly. I wouldn't say easy, but there's a lot of picks. There's a lot of places you can go. It's true. So I looked at it. I'm um, like, this is not just a not just a team of four people who are my favorite wrestlers of all time. Um, I I love Canada. I really do. So, do I. so uh, this was a this was the first list I immediately finished. I'm like, this is perfect. It's done. So I'm gonna start off very quickly. 1980s Bret Hart. That's done late 90s after heart foundation going into his first you know icy title matches and his his he was fired up you could tell brett had a chip on his shoulder or he, he finally shook off the tag team and his stuff with jim fantastic mm-hmm. heel face didn't matter Agreed. uh it could work with any team yeah he brought a technical style that you didn't really see in tag matches it was really interesting where it was either two bruisers or two high flyers or something like that him and you know, Jim 
obviously did the the heavy lifting, but Brett brought the technical ring general side where you could see like Brett's the leader of this team and he he's setting things up. You know, you're getting that layer of a wrestler. Then when you got to see him as a singles competitor, um, I I always go back to his matches with uh you know Kurt Henning and uh his obviously his early stuff with Sean and. That his icy title run was my favorite title run of his. Oh, I Even loved though it. Yeah. I loved him as world champion, and he it was very deserving of that. But his icy stuff when he was hungry um, was amazing, and you see that fire start in the late '80s when they finally like let him off his leash and be like, "All right, Brett, show us what you can do." And he was just excellent, excellent competitor. Um, I tell you, uh, he's been my favorite forever. Um, my one of my favorite wrestlers. Um, I, I didn't take notice, so I th- I'm trying to think what Rumble it was. I want to say it was 1990, where he was the first guy out. Mm-hmm. And I remember my uncle, who was huge into wrestling, was just like, oh, that's a shame. He could win it. And I'm like, Bret Hart. And I, like it didn't really click in my head being like, oh, he is that good. And, like, and I was super, I was six at the time, you know, five or six. And that clicked in my head to be like, oh, he's, he's that good. Right. And then following up his career through that time. I'm glad at that time, I'm glad my uncle said something because as a kid, I was like, Oh, Bret Hart, he, you know, he can win this. He's that good. And, you know, growing with that, you know, him getting the belts and him getting, you know, uh, the accolades that of course he deserves uh, to this day. So that was an easy pick, Bret Hart. Easy pick. Now good pick. the 90, my nineties pick, I could have won a lot of directions and I kind of fa- figured out, I knew I wanted him on the list. And um, because he's a personal favorite of mine, a lot of people overlook him, but as a solid wrestler and being Canadian and probably the person with the least amount of personality in this list. But if I could be serious for one minute, (laughs) I picked Lance Storm from ECW. Um, Lance Storm to me is a wrestler where, you know, know the name. Um, His WWE stuff was good. Um, His WCW stuff, you know, they gave him every belt except for the championship. Right. Which is, I did not expect, you know, when he went over there. But because I was a huge fan of his ECW work. His ECW work is so, so good. Uh, Against uh, Jerry Lynn and Rob Van Dam. And he was with uh, Just Incredible. I Go back and watch that stuff. Lance gave a great, you know, he was a straight man wrestler in ECW. And he just, he always so, so solid. And he's, you know, if you, you didn't keep up with Landstorm, he has Storm Academy up in uh, the uh, up in Canada now. He trains people. I listen to us. He does Killing the Town, which is a podcast. And he still talks about a ton of the psychology and why you do certain things in the ring and why you don't. And being like, can you tell the story in 10 minutes or do you need 20? Right. Like he was the first one that you could see that being like, I could do the 30 you're giving me, but I could really tell the story in eight minutes. You know what I mean? And he was the first one when you hear his stories talking about that in the nineties, uh, coming through and doing tours of Japan and tours of Europe and going to Mexico and all this other stuff. It's like, he is so well-rounded and such a good wrestler and so underappreciated. He's like the Canadian William Regal in a way. Kind of. Yeah. In a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And like everyone, I, I always compare, um, because I'm a huge Zack Sabre Jr. fan, you know, there's a lot of that there mm-hmm. and being like, yeah, he doesn't have the most over the top. He's so focused on, but the he's rent. so, yeah. yeah. And I've always liked guys like him and like Malenko and respected that so much. So Landstorm was definitely my 1990s pick. Now with that being said, 
because the obvious 90s pick you know i could have went bret hart in 90s uh my next pick i could have also went 90s but i went 2000s because i thought his heel run was something special that wwe has never been able to kind of duplicate and that's chris jericho now huge jericho fan since wcw jericho-holic um, i loved his face run but if i wanted him as a captain as a team which i made him um i would want him i want that heel jericho i would want that feud he had with hbk mm -hmm. i would want him in the suit talking low world champion where he had that edge that he was missing because when he came back now he was the first undisputed he had the face to heel change everything else it was great. It was really, really great. His uh, alliance with Stephanie loved it. Absolutely loved it. He left. He came back. They tried to do basically restart him all over. And he was smart enough to be like, no, this character doesn't work anymore. This character works. And he, you know, it, it's funny because like he always, I think it was him or someone else like uh, Miz stole that gimmick. And Miz kind of did steal he that did. gimmick for it's a while. true, actually. Uh, before they did the Hollywood right. thing, he kind of stole that gimmick. Yeah. And, you know, talking, Chris talking that psychology and how that works and how to grow as that character and where his edge came from and being like, it's all about me and being ruthless and just absolutely putting layers in his own character and having, you know, being able to be to express that. And if you really want to see him during that run, I would look at the rival between him and Sean because it was fantastic. It was so good. I think that was the last really great sean rivalry and everyone's like oh no taker it's like taker was the the mania rivalry right between that you know before the dx stuff and sean went and got, had a good time sean was kind of reinventing himself as the veteran wrestler and jericho got him there where you're like oh sean can go to a darker side and have deeper meeting and having these great great wrestling matches so yeah to, uh i love that run of chris jericho i think it was something special and we're not going to see it again Agreed. so now I had to. I wanted to bridge Lance Storm and Chris Jericho, which is awesome because they were a team as the Thrill Seekers. Adding on to that, of course, I have to add Kevin Owens as my current pick. There is no other Canadian wrestler that you can add from WWE that does so much. Kevin Owens prints money now. Mm -hmm. Where NXT, where he was at NXT was great because he got Finn to the top. But what Kevin Owens has done in really a short amount of time where he has proved to himself they put the universal belt on him. A lot of people complain that, oh, he didn't have it long enough and didn't really do anything with it. He proved he did not need that belt. Nope. There's not – he doesn't need a title to get over. You know, if you look at Roddy Piper, did not need a title to get over. There's a lot of – when you're that talented, in the ring, on mic, with the fans, and you just – you know, it just clicks immediately. And you look at Kevin Owens, he's got the dad bod. Mm -hmm. He does not look like a – but he looks like a guy that will rough you up. He right. looks like a hooligan, right. you know, and you just love him for what he – he says what you want him to say. He does what he you want him to do. Right. And even the, his current storyline he's doing with Sammy is fantastic. I agree. Because yeah. he knows he can make Sammy as special as everyone wants Sammy to be. Kevin Owens can do that. Yep. You know, Chris Jericho, I've never seen, well, as great as Jericho's career, he didn't have to throttle it so hard when he worked with Ed Owens. It was just natural, being like, we're both on top. I know whatever, if I say something ridiculous, you're just going to play off it and make it work. And that's the beauty of Kevin Owens. I don't think there's a better, 
it's gonna be you'd be hard pressed to tell me there's a better active full-time Canadian wrestler on the roster today than Kevin Owens. I I think he's top of the business. He's right up there. Absolutely. Agreed. Amazing. Uh, Just awesome. uh, I don't believe I just tried to sell everyone to Kevin Owens. It's just like, turn on your TV. Yeah. Just turn on Tuesdays and wait for him to come out. He's just awesome. He's something special. He's really, really is. And I was afraid for a while that that was going to translate from his ring of honor. And he, he did it. He, when you look at that product, because there was matches that I turned away from with Kevin Steen when he wrestled right. with Kevin Steen that I thought were too violent. And I'm like, there's no way. When he signed with NXT, I'm like, D- how are they going to turn this guy into a TV product? And, man, I'm glad I didn't bet money on that because I'm like, he is the he is the top. He is just absolutely – he's going to be a legend. He's yep. just absolutely Incredible. Legendary. Yeah. I remember um, – <clears throat> well, we'll get into my list because uh, obviously this gentleman will be mentioned again. The spoiler warning. Uh, so we're going to go to Canada. And uh, this one I probably failed in because I forgot he probably wasn't built from Canada, but he's from Canada. Okay. Let's so see. I don't remember where he was built from. Okay. Rod- Roddy Piper in the 80s. Was I he think he was Scotland. Originally built, wasn't he? You should have did a Team Scotland. I, I think should you, have. You would have knocked it out of the park. No, I, th- I think he's Canadian. He was, he's Canadian. He is Canadian. No, yeah. no, no. You're 100% correct. Yeah. Yeah. He is Canadian. I want to say. I think say, I missed that. Missed I think he was billed that. from. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, I think he was billed, but obviously a great pick. I can't argue right. with that. The dude, like, that was a guy that my dad was. My dad wanted to hate, and he couldn't. He's you couldn't. Like, he loved he, what he does. He does. Go back and see it. And even in even his his schlock matches in in the in midnight and WCW, he still put a hundred and ten percent into all of his matches. There's very few guys in the eighties where they can give them no script and no direction, hand them a mic, and they're just, everything they say is just literally money. they were they were pushing like uh, war games, and he, this was like in the mid nineties, and he was in his trailer doing a movie, and he was like. They were like, just, they had a camera crew on him. It was like, yeah, what do you think about Hogan and all this stuff? And he laid down like a 20 minute promo on Nitro in his trailer, filming a film, like before he, in between takes. And he just laid out, he laid them out. I dare it anyone was amazing. go back and watch the WrestleMania match between Piper and Goldust. Oh. That doesn't work without Piper. It doesn't. It does. Right. You put anyone else who, uh, even I, Scott Hall, Savio Vega, the people were having rivalries with Goldust up to that point. Right. Put them, plug them in that match. That match doesn't work. Piper, a hundred percent works. One hundred. There, he's the only one that made that work. He made that. Ma- he made that match special. He he gave it a story. He gave it a character. He go he, back. It's barely a match if you go back and watch right. it. But he a hundred percent of his personality. And super, super invested in making that work is just amazing. Also felt like he was very underrated uh, how good in shape he was, too. Because, like, the dude was yeah. very, very well built. and very You know, he was a smaller guy than Hogan and all that, but he yeah. was still very great and shape. Honestly, uh, almost like, um, you know, when you talk about guys like him and you talk about guys like Austin, not the Best, well, not someone that you'd be like the best worker, in ring worker, you know, technically sound, blah, blah. No, but you, when Piper was in the ring, you knew it was going to be entertaining. It was going to be a fight. There's an energy there that they, they showcased that a lot of people couldn't do it. They couldn't no. practice that. You know, you just have that energy, that the it factor, if you will. And I remember just loving Piper <laughs> so much uh, yeah. and very sad by, you know, his passing. I yes. mean, he, he just, 
legend. I mean, when you when you put the, oh, look absolutely. up the word legend, you see Roddy Piper there. Yeah, and um, when he would come out with the icon shirt, it's like nothing was ever truer. He was no. an icon before his time. He was 100. Yeah. percent And everyone, you know, you got to attribute his his talent on building Hogan up to as big as he was. You know, the thing, the rock and wrestling connection, the thing with Cindy Law, that didn't work without Piper. You know, they couldn't just give the ball to Paul Paul Orndorff and be like. Get get to the first mania. Like he was he was given the ball and being like, okay, Hogan is who's our moneymaker, but how do we make him, you know, godlike status in you know when he's the hottest thing in his prime? And that was Roddy Piper. They yeah. knew he had that. He absolutely. So and he he did a good job too, because like he, he was obviously heel. It comes to term it comes to mind when you think of uh, Piper, but he. He was very over with the crowd too, because I remember. I remember what was it mid '90s when he came back, mid '90s WWF, and I don't remember who he was, but he was a cut a promo against Hogan, and I remember him coming out. And you, as soon as you hear those bagpipes, the crowd just went. Oh, you think in WCW? W, yeah, WCW. The, yeah, yeah. He yeah, came well, back at the end of a pay per view, and yeah. it went off, and that's when they did the three match arc. Yeah, amazing with Piper yeah. and Hogan, which questionable results, but right. But overall, I love the the idea behind it, yeah. and I feel like. You know, he he was very over at that time, and he just continued to give his all. You know, obviously watching like the the Legends House and all these other things, he obviously had still he, super entertaining, very oh, entertaining yeah. guy. Oh, yeah. uh, and he just he gave it his all, and uh, he's one of the guys that you know you have to put him in in a in a list, you know, of the greats, you know, um, and just because he encompassed... just go watch They Live, <laughs> just, just watch They Live. He's yeah. the most entertaining thing about that he movie. Is. He is. Uh, but my '90s, uh, same same with you. Um, I, I put him in '90s, not '80s. Although I could have put him in '80s, but I had to put Roddy above him. Yeah. Uh, Bret Hart. Yeah. Uh, I love the guy since I've seen him. It was actually a toss up because I was like, if you look at Owen and 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 Bret, yeah. Owen had a better character. He had a better right. on screen, better on the mic, just overall better, f- a full package. I would go Owen, but just in ring Talent. and what he did with putting other people over and lifting other people up, I just incredible. I feel like his WCW days, he was very misbooked, and also yeah. the whole stuff with Goldberg. You know, his career got ended short and all this stuff. But I feel like he, him, and the 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 Canadian Pride thing, um, the angle they did in the Attitude Era, doesn't work without Bret Hart. Nope, um, Bret Hart. Um, once again, icon, just le- just absolute legend. Uh, that doesn't work without him. No, nope. and any any level, you couldn't plug in anybody else and get over the way they did. Um, Stone Cold wouldn't be where Stone Cold was. That's true. Without 100%. Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels wouldn't be where Shawn Michaels was. You know, you can go uh, all, a, a you guy. You can go through a list, a top ten and matches you, of all time. Bret Hart's going to be on there. Correct. A bunch, and so. you see who he he got the belt from. Yeah, his first world title was against uh, Ric Flair mm-hmm. in Saskatchewan in a <laughs> in a taping in his you know near his hometown. But you just see that plethora of guys who, you know, it's like Brett was the measuring stick in the early '90s in WWE, in when they were doing the youth movement. Mm-hmm. You know, Brett was the Rock. You know, or he not, was not the you know what what mean, he, not the it, rock, and but he was youth the movement. It's the, they're trying to get away from the whole big when guys. They went, when they were trying to establish issue. raw, yeah, yeah. Uh, Brett was not 
you know, muscle bound. He didn't do gorilla presses. He wasn't. Right. Yeah, he wasn't like he wanted the one, two, three kids and stuff like that. Yeah, the guys in. who were super. Yeah. And he was a ring general. Mm-hmm. And um, it, there's so much documentation about Bret Hart's career. You know, wrestling of shadows is great. Once again, we were talking last week or last podcast about the art of wrestling, and Bret Hart was an artist 100%. by all of what just study anything he does. Like when he's like, I can kick a guy full bore in the face and they don't bruise. You ever think why? It's because he's that good. He makes it look that good. He cared about the product more than anything else. Um, but yeah, I can't. The guy is just incredible. Yeah. And like I said, if you go through a top 10 matches of all time, Bret Hart's name is going to be mentioned quite yeah. a bit of time. I mean, he did, the guy just gave it his all. And I, I wish his WCW career was had a better... I don't know. It just there, fell off the moment yeah, he came they, in. They, they didn't know what to do with him. They, they never knew what to do with the Bret Hart, and they, uh, that's been documented that they've said that a million times. And yeah. he could have made so much more out of so many guys there and just never given, you know, the billionaire. Especially how big the cruiserweight division was. I you mean, would he think, really but, you know, you look at the oh, – we can go he really deep in this. We could have, yeah. <laughs> we might we might want to save Bret Hart. Why don't we talk right. about Bret we Hart can. for another, oh, that'd be another awesome. time? That would be awesome. Just this whole – Rise with him and the Hart Foundation, his brother, brother the versus brother, and everything. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, you know, him winning King of the Ring, then his brother winning King of the Ring, and yeah. then like that whole shake with was it WrestleMania nine or probably eight, the best, one of the best ladder or cage matches you'll ever see is yep. Owen Brett. Yep. Just and so, that blue so cage, uh, amazing. Oh. Uh, so that was your nineties. That was my nineties, my two thousands. Uh, Chris Jericho is in my top probably ten of all time. Heel or face. Heel, obviously. Oh, yeah. Heel. Okay. Oh, heel all yeah, the yeah. time. I loved him heel WCW. I loved him heel WWF. I, I loved heel heel Jericho in general. Although I felt like he was he, – he people didn't understand his heel in WCW like they do now. They do. They appreciate it. But back then, it didn't translate as well. Yeah. Uh, WWE did translated much better. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. And I, I loved his in-ring because he was like Bret Hart. He was very technically skilled. But he learned Lucha Libre stuff. So he went to Japan, Mexico. You know, so he learned a lot of things. He's like a fusion of my favorite. He was like, if I were to create a wrestler on WWE 2K18, he would be like the wrestler. The guy knows how to do holds. The guy knows how to do suplexes. The guy can do moonsaults. The guy has it all. He is the guy that I would create. And, you know, like if I had a fusion of what I want in wrestling. Yeah. Uh, and I just feel like even now, like if you watched last year, he's still putting on shows. Oh, yeah. Clinics. I mean, the guy. I mean, he's His just... matches with Owens, especially oh, yeah. the WrestleMania match, and seeing those two psychologies work against each other is brilliant. And they, the spots were really well done. Um, you know, and WWE has enough respect for what he's done and what he is that they threw that the U.S. belt on him for that short amount of time and just said, you know, he deserves to have another title run, deserves that kind of accolade. And, yep. You know, he, he's Nine time it and IC champion. Like so. And he doesn't seem like a guy who's been in the industry for three decades, but he's been in, like, it's insane when you look at his career. Yeah, I mean, he started, you know, he started off doing, you know, stuff over in Japan and Mexico. And then, of course, he, he went to uh, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, uh, Thrill Seekers, with yep. Night Storm. Went. June 26, 1996, he debuted in WCW, yep. and you know he was a he was a face in the beginning. He's like, oh look at me, I'm so excited, I'm gonna win this match. And, yeah. he, and, and even Tony Schiavone and them are thought, oh he's really good in the ring, but I he's, super generic. And then yeah. he started just building. He that literally character. was like uh, he said in his book, uh, uh, I forget what the name, Mind Around Stone? the World, oh, okay, and, yeah, yeah. at Spandex. Uh, like he he talked about how his theme music was like ESPN. Yeah. St- Sports Gen- Center yeah. number eighteen, like it was super generic, yeah. and then he finally started to, 
you know, he wanted to have that character, and he, he came out, especially in WWF, he really showcased it with the lights and coming out. Yeah. Even now with the scarves, and the guy just totally gets it. When you look at a guy that is pure 100%, his his in-ring psychology, his ring awareness, being able to have people hate him, having people have it, being able to lift other people up. I mean, look at stuff with Neville and everything he did. Like he did a lot of great stuff with the young cruiserweights, uh, or you know, lightweights if you want to call them. Yeah. Uh, and he's just an incredible guy, awesome all around. I, I he's probably my top five actually. So he's I'm amazing. guessing your current day is the same as well. Okay. Kevin Owens, he is. I own five Kevin Owens shirts. That's how much I love That's this impressive. guy. Five, I, I just when the moment I saw him because I, I'll give a shout out to our friend um, Sean Cook from Grapple Maniacs. He goes, "Hey, you got uh, you got you know Kevin Steen," and I'm like, "Who's that?" And he goes, "Oh yeah, he, he you know he, you should check out his older stuff. Go online and check out Kevin Steen." And I'm like, "Oh yeah, he's gonna be debuting uh, in WWF, NXT, yeah, NXT. NXT." And I was like, "Okay, cool." And then I just blown away. I was like, "This guy can this guy this guy of his size, as you mentioned earlier, the dad yeah. bot." To be able to move around in that ring, he 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 he, he I kind of equated him to uh, Bam Bam Bigelow. He's so fast, so surprisingly fast in the ring, and being able to do moon salts and just incredible power. He's very yeah. underrated in his power. He's very his slams. I mean, just the way he make, takes he, bumps. Yeah, and it's not about speed, but he he figures out how to do or set up things in the. Uh, we talked about footwork previously where mm-hmm. some wrestlers I watch go through NXT take 20 steps where they could do it in three. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the ones, like I was saying, Oscar, she just always knows where to be to make it work. And Kevin Owens doesn't move a ton in that ring. If you watch it, he does, but he doesn't. He, he knows enough to be okay. This guy's down on the ground. I can hit him with this. I could jaw to the crowd. I could jaw to the ref and give this guy enough time to sell what I just did to him. Yep. And then he could turn around and do it again. Not everyone do it can again do that. And, do it. It's, and it's just all about timing and why he makes moves like the cannonball work, where he makes moves like the pop-up powerball work, where he still he still gets the super kick over, where it's, it's used a ton in the industry. Right. But his is surprising because you don't expect it from him. Nope. And he doesn't use it all the time. Nope. But when he's hurt and something else, and he knows to where, you know, traditional wrestling, I beat up you for three minutes, you beat up me for three minutes, go back and forth. He knows to break where to break that momentum and where he can let a guy get a few hits on and then he can just flip it back on him. He, and he's it's, incredible. Yeah. I mean, we, we've... We could do an episode just on him and his rise. Him and Bret Hart. Him no, and Bret Hart. Yeah. We'll just do a Canadian <laughs> we'll wrestling just... <laughs> episode and a UK run. We'll just do we'll do a UK Sponsored wrestling. Sponsored by Tim Hortons. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> UK uh, and Canadian wrestling. Exactly. So that's amazing. And now I would argue that they would go really far if they did a Survivor Series with these people. I mean, oh yeah, they, they would be on the top, probably the finals with the UK. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, now we're gonna do the final one. The final one. So I know this has been going on a while, but it's been you know different conversations now so my team usa my first one was all patriotic themed i'm like i'm just gonna go the corniest patriotic wrestlers of all time lugers and, all and then i went the flip i'm like no i want guys where if i wanted the if i was an american in japan or american in europe and i i knew my guys guys who represent my country were gonna come out i want them to kick ass and take names and be like they when they come out through that ring, you're like, oh, this is gonna be a good match. 
And I, so I try to personify that with sure. every one of my picks in the decades. And I think something will be uh, maybe some surprises in here, but I'm going to start with my 1980s, who is also my team captain. Um, All Japan, NWA, WCW, Terry Funk. Oh, wow. So, Good pick. <laughs> 80s wide open with with wrestler actually anything on the network most of the guys who are american wrestlers you know we get the credit for it but the reason i took terry funk terry funk for four decades is a terrifying wrestler even when he was a straight-on grappler back in the 70s uh or late 60s even and 70s wrestling from ter- territory wrestler he was a threatening him and his brother dory um and the more he hardened throughout the years the more terrifying he was and his once again ring psychology mike skill you mm-hmm. know he just he didn't have to say a lot but when he said and the reason i picked the 1980s especially late 80s when he was having great matches with flair oh yeah uh when flair was you know wcw nwa uh main eventing when they were rebuilding kind of the pseudo horseman at the end of the the original horseman run they brought Funk in from Japan because Japan, you know, Funk was killing himself with guys like Cactus Jack and doing death matches and Insane. barbed wire and blah. But he would come, and you see this guy who's scarred, and he was he was built, and you just look like he didn't look like a wrestler. He looked like someone that was just going to kick your ass. Yep. And it was like just, a lumberjack. <laughs> he's very go back and look at because there's. You know, you see the old pictures of him, but watch him wrestle when he comes out with the cowboy hat and the chaps. He looks like that shouldn't be a terrifying look, but he looks, he's polarizing. He is. Where you're just word. like, holy crap, someone's going to get beat up. So he he was my pick. I know it's kind of an obscure pick. I like it, though. I um, like it. I want Terry Funk. Um, so next is my 90s, and this is, this is a favorite of mine. And I didn't want to do, I went for someone that I'm like, okay. I have this team. They're going to wrestle around the world. I need someone that can wrestle any style. I need a big man. So I, I wanted to pick my big man from the 90s, which okay. most guys would probably go Stone Cold or The Rock right. or right. Sean or right. Taker, any of them. I want Bam Bam Bigelow. So Bam Beast Bam Bigelow, the, the Beast from the East, wrestled in WWE, WCW, and ECW in the 90s. Yep. Wrestled around the world. Does not get enough cre- credit of how incredibly talented now he was a legit tough guy Ansbury park new jersey um he was he shouldn't have been able to do the things he did in the ring he shouldn't have been able to wrestle any guy in any size in any country in any style and sell it he made lawrence taylor a wrestlemania main event yep he was the only wrestler in that match um and that was the main event for that year he he got the bill over sean diesel that's that's inconceivable he, he at took, that time. He to took it. bumps that guys of his size shouldn't get up from. And Correct. It is incredible. And you see, I love his stuff in ECW with Shane Douglas. And um, my favorite match, if I tell anyone, if you're not familiar with Bam Bam in the 90s, go back and watch him wrestle Taz for the television title in his hometown of Ansbury Park, New Jersey. The one where they go through the map. Spoilers. Mm, yeah, yeah. For the te- it's that match is so good. And once again, Bam Bam shouldn't be taking those bumps. Taz be, and this is later in Bam Bam's career because he wrestled throughout the 80s. Right. And, it, you know, he got put on my radar from if if you played the original WrestleMania NES game. He's on that roster. 
that's so bizarre why and it it's just because he deserves to be there and he's he he just is a unique fathom of a of a wrestler and he's un, he actually is uh i love i even love this even though it was silly i love this stuff with doink and i love the stuff when he had uh luna, you could, he, luna yeah. vachon you know and all oh that. yeah like, really oh, great yeah. stuff and he could be main event mid car opener and dark mm-hmm. match and he's still put on a great great always consistent always consistent even the silly stuff that did in wcw yeah with the hardcore title and stuff like that and when he was out of shape when he was at the end of his career he still put on a performance he still did really really great work so yeah bam bam was all, all the 90s i want bam bam because i'm like throughout the 90s he was good from the beginning to the end of the decade mm-hmm. by far so now we're on to 2000s and now from el paso texas i picked eddie guerrero when i when i sat down well let me explain so when i when i wanted to do team usa I want to take East Coast. I want to take, you know, middle of the country, Texas, and then West Coast. Then I was thinking, if I had a team USA, I need at least two guys from Texas. Because if you look at just wrestlers, we could have did a team Texas. We could have, yeah. And still had to leave guys out. You know, um, but Eddie, as we said before, world traveler could wrestle anybody um i picked 2000s i loved his stuff on smackdown he made that brand legit um him and guys like edge and taker and angle and brock later on totally sold that um his matches uh i love his matches with kurt angle i just i think they had humor to him like when he would take off his boot or throws (laughs) i just think there was a lot of everything in that match he just did things as we said before, that worked that if you told a guy to, you know, you're going to go out there and you're going to, you know, you got a jaw for a little bit and then you're going to do some hercaranas and then you're going to do some strong strikes and then you're going to lose your boot and do a comedy skit. And then you're going to come back and do your finish. And that, it'd be like, you're cra- That's four matches. Is, and yeah. Eddie took you on that trip with him. He did. Every time he walked in that ring where you're like, what kind of Eddie are we going to get tonight? Like wh- how fired up is Latino heat tonight? And it's just a great run. Great run in 2000s. Um, once again, lost him way too soon. He probably had at least another 10, 15 years in the tank. He's the guy probably that, that we've lost other than, say, Bobby the Brain Heenan that left such an impact on – I mean, there's a lot of people that left. That right, were, and he was still young when he passed. He was, yeah. It's, it's a real shame. Like I, Him and, like, Pillman. Pillman oh, still yeah. had a ton of years that he could have done a lot more um, – it's it's a real shame, but yeah, Eddie Guerrero was definitely on my list um, for my two thousands wrestler. So now we come to modern day, and I didn't want to look at the roster. I wanted to look at matches that I remember and and characters that I'm like, if I wanted to see or wrestlers, I if I want to see, I never got to see live that I think are special. And this one seems obvious, but maybe not. I pick CM Punk. CM Punk's name, unfortunately, over the last five years has gone kind of quiet because he, he's not coming back. Right. And I was one of those guys for a while being like, oh, they offered Punk. I'm like, oh, like Punk's coming back. I, I've, I've regressed. <laughs> I've gone through the, the stages of grief right, right. Uh, where I'm like, Punk's not coming back. But 2011, um, Money in the Bank. John Cena in Chicago. Yep. 
will be one of the greatest matches you ever see. Right. Um, in build, in uh, performance, in just shock value. The reason you love wrestling is CM Punk in that. Uh, where the internet fans, the WWE like all the fans collectively said, that's our guy. Yep. And it happened. And it, it, it's, you know, you know, it was, it was televised. You get to see it um, where you didn't know he was coming back. Cause that was, he wasn't signed. Right. That match happened on my birthday as well. Oh, that's awesome. So it was, it's super special for me to go back and look at that and be like, wow, that was, whew. you know, and I'm not a huge Cena fan, but I, I have so much respect because he did that match for him. Right. When he was getting booed out of the building hard. Um, but that, that win and then the run the year run with the belt and being able to do the beginning of that run as a face and the end of that run as a heel and then having that great i think taker's last great wrestlemania match a great i agree wholeheartedly was against yep was against punk yep that was the that was it that, the last great taker where you think of great taker that i think that was yeah the last and match. it was it was special because it only happened once they only they only really had that. They had that rivalry in SmackDown when Punk was, you know, they went back and forth with the belt. But right. really, the psychology and when Punk was at his best, and where we didn't see that Taker again, mm-hmm. was that. So that's why I picked Punk. So that's my team. That's is great. Terry team Funk, USA. Uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, Eddie Guerrero, and uh, who's your Punk. captain? Uh, Terry Funk. Terry. Funk. Oh man, yeah. Uh, yeah. Terry 100%. Funk in the eighties is just solid. He's yeah. just legendary like a rock <laughs> uh, yeah you just I, I it's a shame where like he's gonna pass away and they're gonna do like a video WWE's gonna do a video package and that video package has to be like 30 minutes long <laughs> like how do you encapsulate this guy yeah. in one creed song <laughs> you, just, <laughs> you just can't do it it's like we're gonna have to do the album it's gonna <laughs> <laughs> oh my god you got me <laughs> like, coughing that's like, great here's terry's career <laughs> to bon jovi bon jovi slippery one way <laughs> oh my gosh that's perfect <laughs> We just make a video ourselves. That's it. We'll just make that's a video. Just the whole album. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, so my USA, I tried to pick people that were, you know, obviously USA is. There's a lot to choose from as well, yeah. especially you know, growing up. I other than until I tape traded, I only knew USA and being wrestling. American, being that, American, it helps exactly. A lot too, yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot. You know, WWF has a lot to showcase as well. Yeah, uh, the network. Absolutely. So, uh, here's a guy that's in my top five. He's remained in my top five list of all time. Um, and never moved out of that top ten list, or top five list uh, is, in the 1980s. He's obviously wrestled in AWA. You know, um, mainly WWF is where he's known. Uh, and uh, Shawn Michaels, I I Ooh. love Shawn Michaels. <laughs> Shawn Michaels is not familiar. Incredible. So 1980s Shawn Michaels. Yeah, I loved so I loved rockers? 80s. I loved rockers because Rocker, I liked Shawn his 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 uh, enthusiasm and how over he was and how Marty Jannetty kind of, Marty Jannetty helped a lot because Marty Jannetty you know he he was really good too, uh, although later in his career he kind of got you know but yeah. I I loved I loved the stuff in AWA even when he was just by himself before he got with the Rockers and I I just I enjoyed watching him grow as a wrestler yeah. because especially now going back and watching him going back and seeing him this fresh like 20 year old Shawn Michaels still does his cut he's still got a little bit of a gut you know he's not really you know really he's in great shape but he's still giving it his all and learning and 
taking bumps. And I remember watching a match back in, I think you can watch it on the network in AWA. And he takes his bump where this guy does his drop kick and he hits his head on a, a turnbuckle. And you know that was not meant, he hit hard and he was dizzy. And the fact that he was able to regain his composure and still show to the guy that, hey, I'm hurt, but I don't want to tell everyone else I'm hurt. And they had the guy kind of like making fun of him, but, you know, intentionally to, to add to the, yeah. the theatrics of the show to tell a story. And the fact that 20 year old Shawn Michaels was able to do that. And obviously he's I would say his 90s is even better than his 80s. But I had to pick. I just. Oh, yeah. Well, and then you could make the argument that the 2000 Shawn Michaels. Let's just say he, he's my top five of all time. He's one of the So that's best. your list is Shawn Michaels, Shawn Michaels, Michael, Shawn, Shawn Ma- Michaels. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the guy can go. I mean, he. He went through every generation and he stayed relevant. I mean, that's yeah. what's most important about the guy is like he was able to grow with the times. He was able to get edgy with the attitude era. He was able to, yeah, uh, be an opening show. I mean, opening he shot. He was so skilled and so uh, Mister Reliable that he was all. He was a lot of the times the curtain jerker uh, at uh, at events or WrestleManias and at yeah. pay per views. He was like the first guy would go on, and be like, hey. Yeah. And then of course him the stuff with Diesel, how great that worked out, and this just. The whole heartbreak was a heartbreak hotel segment. Yeah. His own little and stuff with Sherry. Exactly. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he. This is WWF stuff. I mean, his early WWF stuff is just incredible. But that incredible. was a, that was also a time coming out of the eighties and the nineties, especially when it does single stuff where, um, he made stuff work. And the other trick with Sean was they, um, they let that character grow a little bit. Right. They didn't just shove him to the top, and I, I the patience for that has kind of gone away because mm-hmm. there's so much TV. There is, yeah. There's so much uh, pay per view and events and house shows and everything else like that. Um, where Sean took advantage of that and added layers and was able to, you know, because he went from the heart, you know, he went from the bad boy heartbreak kid to, you know, the the boyhood dream in like a very short amount of time. Right. But it took that while to kind of get that momentum to get for him to I didn't even mention his, his work with Bret Hart. I mean, just, I mean, you can the, go on for a, a the long guy. Time. Yeah. He is a guy that stayed in my top five for a long time. I mean, the guy just does everything that I want a wrestler yeah. to do. And his, his in-ring psychology, his, his rope. I mean, just everything about him is just superb. If you were to rate a guy, you know, on all of his accolades, he's the, gra- he's he, the greatest. Yeah. I mean, and the argument's always going to be between him and Taker and WWE. Right. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So Shawn Michaels, eighties uh, and nineties is going to be a surprise, probably. You think uh, he's he he got over in the nineties, but it took him a while, and he's obviously a household name now um, in different reasons. But uh, I joke with my wife all the time when I saw this guy in ninety six when he changed his his shtick and he just was beating people up. Uh, and then he got really over. Uh, back in the day, I was a huge DDP mark. Uh, he, it might be weird on this list because he's probably not the most. Uh, what's the word I want to use? He's probably not the most. Um, I'm trying to think of the word. Chronicled, I guess. Like he doesn't have a huge career. Like he doesn't, you know, gonna have all these. Memorable... No, he doesn't have a. He has a career that spans decades, but not as a wrestler. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, I feel like he. He put on some amazing uh, mat, and the reason why I put him on the list was because he was a guy that literally we talked. I think a couple episodes ago, we talked about how he was like a limo driver, and he was just kind of like the the muscle, or whatever. He was just there. He wasn't even really a wrestler. He was training, and then at the power plant, and then they were kind of bouncing him around. He was in tag work, and then I, I think I said this in the last uh, two two episodes ago. Is like he he went on this thing where he got in really good shape because he was kind of heavy. 
and he, he he had a cigar and all that stuff. He's one of the few guys who had the reverse WCW career, where WCW knew exactly what to do with him. Agreed. And WWE had no idea. Agreed. You know, because even if you look at a guy like a Booker, he got over at the end of WCW, but WWE knew had an idea what to do with Booker and get right. him over and get him mm-hmm. the belt. Where right. WCW, they're like, we don't want, or WWE was like, we don't want People's Champion Diamond Dallas Page. You know, we like we like Page, but we don't know what to do with him here. Right. And it was it's just weird when you look at that contrast where he's one of the few guys to be like, oh, my WCW career was amazing, and yeah. it'd be like WWE was okay. <laughs> uh, I mean, he. I mean, he had. I mean, and he's also a guy that that was underrated in the ring because, like, he he was more of a grappler. He wasn't really. A, uh, he he was a striker at times, but he was mainly just he went in there and collarable tie up yep. to the hammerlock, uh, to a DDT, and then of course uh, his pancake. Uh, all those moves that he would set people Correct. up with. He wasn't a huge guy, I and mean, he wasn't a. He really wasn't like muscle and they, muscular, and they he, protected his finisher, which was did. a huge deal, right? Especially in NWO era. He was right. probably the most over guy before Goldberg versus NWO, by Agreed. far. By yeah. Where the fans would still be like, when NWO was what the cool kids were watching, Paige was still the guy who, you know, the fans would pop for. He was like the team. If you were to put a team captain for WCW at the time, going against uh, WCW, he would probably be there. Because Sting had already made the shift over to NWO. Right. So Paige was like the last remnants of old uh, WCW before the shift with Him, NWO. Yeah, and he, he was less... Um, I won't say less controversial, but he was more beloved than what Flair became. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. And then Paige just, I mean, he had, he had so many amazing matches with Book, uh, Booker T. Uh, the stuff he did with Raven was amazing. His stuff with uh, Savage was oh, Feud of the Year in 97. Uh, by any, go back and look at any of their matches. Amazing. Those guys, and, you know, Savage is attributed to helping Paige get over right. as a wrestler. Um, but their matches are just fantastic i wish there was more of them like they so could have did I, that yeah. feud for another Agreed. year or it would have been just as good I, you always hear about page and page is more of like been an ambassador for wcw and he's more of like the face of wcw but like i feel like he could if wwf booked him right he could have you know done so much more but i feel like he, he is a wcw guy in yeah. and out i mean the guy just did incredible stuff look from not people that are that are wanting to check him out that Somehow you don't know what DDP yoga or anything is. Yeah, exactly. The guy's all over in media. The guy's, all, you know, he's been everywhere. Uh, and the guy's just, he, he's great speaker, great on the mic, just great. And he underrated in-ring talent. Um, his, I think his storytelling was much better than his actual acumen in the ring. I think he did a great job of being able to lift another person up, also be able to take the hits. Uh, to grow and learn a guy that they kind of grew with, you know, through, yeah. groomed him because like he, he did a lot of work in the power plant. And, the, and he had a lot of psychology of, like I said, selling. He was somebody, if you go back and listen to other podcasts or interviews with uh, WCW talent, they're like, Paige told me how to reverse the diamond cutter or prevent him from getting it off. Right. So he could protect the finisher, but I still looked good. Right. Like he had enough foresight being like, all right, this guy, we can't always block it the same way. And the one that I am always reminded of is when he wrestled Sting. Yeah. And Sting reversed it into the reverse DDT, which oh. is still my favorite. It's so fluid, but it it's two guys being like, 
having that communication and realizing they both i need to protect something but you have to sell this right <laughs> you know like kind of like we both have to work for each other right. right now so and it always and even even with uh i would say the probably the biggest original talent that WCW created goldberg you know as a over over guy yeah. that was over the match that he had i think halloween havoc or starcade but it was a 98 when him and goldberg he Fought Goldberg for the 98. first time. 98. 98. And went off air early. Yeah. Yes, I remember. Yeah. yeah. And it was just. Yeah, it was 98. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, being able to. Really work, underrated match. Very underrated. Super, yeah. yeah. So that was one of the matches I go to. That's probably one. Uh, I think Goldberg says that's his favorite match. I think match. so, yeah. He thinks he did the best work. Yeah. It, so it, it just it made both guys look great. And I think that's, you know, it didn't take anything away from Goldberg and his streak and all that, but it also elevated Paige because the audience was confused. They were like, we love Goldberg, but we love Paige. Yeah. Who do we root for? Exactly. That was one of the first times as a fan you were like, I love everything they're all doing. Just exactly. cheer for the whole match. Yeah. I think that was really great. But Paige, I think is I think he's underrated in that uh, that way. I mean, he really does put people over really yeah. well, and he makes himself look good. Exactly. And I just think he just – should have gotten over more in WWF. So our nineties wrestlers representing New Jersey. Yeah. Diamond Dials page. Yeah. And we didn't get Canyon on the list. We could have had the That's Jersey true. Triad. Who's better than Canyon? <laughs> uh I said my two thousands uh pick uh is Sam Punk. Um and okay. I, I pick him because I I loved I loved his title run, his one year title run back yeah, yeah. in eleven. Um and but I loved his straight edge society stuff. I loved him just yeah. everything he did just he, he, you look at this guy, and he's he's got the charisma. He's got the the look. He's but got, he's not he's not a WWE look guy. No, he's like not. even if you look at him now, right? Um, the only person I can kind of compare his look to that's currently on the roster, I would say, is Aleister Black. I agree. Yep. And it's just not a character that's as family friendly that yep. you're like, hey, kids. You can dress up like it, it. It sounds weird in 2017 that that stigma still exists. But Punk was the first one to kind of break through that. They'd be like, you can have the tattoos and you can do right. like, of course, Taker had a bunch of them, everything else. But he was very gothic and everything else being like, here's a guy who doesn't drink and doesn't smoke and has a positive message, but can still be the heel. Right. It was it's just crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And well, he, he was in. The, I remember like when he, he was a face in the very beginning you with know, he ECW. Had, yeah. Right. He's the ECW stuff. And then he had, you know, he has kill switch engagement uh, music and it was awesome. He's rocking out. He had a long hair. Yeah. You just people were just like, you know, just getting behind the guy. He was kind of like the, the underdog. He was yeah. he was smaller, you know, and all that. And he was a guy that I was just like immediately captivated by him. Yeah, I, I remember him I, coming out for the first time and just being like, "This is different." Yeah. Like, like I haven't seen a guy like this. Wrestle. Yeah, that's the same feeling I had. Yeah. And this growing, watching him grow, and I just became an instant fan. Especially of with Punk. them relaunching ECW, they should have had more talents like Punk come in from the indies. I agree. And made yeah. it. Fe- if everyone felt like what Punk felt like, or what they did with Punk, guys like Punk and. Um, you know, Kofi came into that time and that right. style being like, oh, we can, you know, do the high, f- the flippy shit and we can do, uh, we can do like a strong style and we can do this, that, and the other thing. I think that brand would have existed. So bringing in being like, we're going to repackage, you know, our guys off the roster and move them down. And it's interesting to kind of look at that now. Like you, I think the ECW, that whole yeah. experiment is on. Yeah, I think the it's network on, it isn't is. It? Yeah, it's on the network. Yeah. And you see guys like Kevin Thorne and yeah. you know, oh, something yeah. that they're like, yeah. oh, we got to make guys gothic or we got to make right. them so. And Punk was just like, no, I'm, you know, I'm that I'm I'm seeing my gimmick is I'm seeing Punk. Right. And that's been his only gimmick. Exactly. It's just like 
I'm this guy, and he emphasizes different uh, philosophies that his he has for himself through his character. That's where the strange society came from, right. and that you know, I, I his um, his thing in on WWE, his documentary or whatever, where they follow him and they mm-hmm. talk to him. I've probably watched it about fifteen times. I love it because I just I love how brutally honest he is, and I love that he just. When you watch other ones, people approach wrestling as a business, and he approached it as, "This is my life, and this is my livelihood. So this is how I'm gonna do it." Right. Like I, thanks for when he was like, "I just write up what the writers gave me and be like, you can't, you don't know how I'm gonna say so. You don't tell me what you want me to say, and I'll figure out how to say it on my own. I right. don't need you to tell me how to right. how to be CM Punk. I am CM Punk. So yeah, I." I, I think obviously, I'm, I mean, I loved him in 2000s, 2010s on. I mean, he's he just he, I think he started in 2007 or 2006, something like something that. Something like that. It was in with the ECW, yeah, yeah, but he was yeah. in Ohio Valley, and right? He was, he was exactly. Making, he was making face. Yeah, he's the, just a great guy. And right. I just felt I just feel bad that his his last, you know, um, year wasn't as the stuff he had stuff with Randy Orton, and he, then it kind of got. It weird. was very uninspired, right? And you could tell that he was definitely a wrestler when he wasn't booked right that he would just phone it in he would and there was things that he was amped up like they had that short rivalry with uh daniel bryan yeah but then when they started adding in like kane it'd be like we don't need this yeah but wwe felt like yes you do he's the stuff he's a wrestler the he's the established and blah blah yeah. and it's like you know he was yeah. hit i see him and daniel especially late 2000s early 10 they were I, they were ahead of their time mm-hmm and the the sacrifice that those guys made, we get the benefit now with guys like Owens and Styles. Right. You know, where WWE's like, these guys can carry it in their own way. They don't have to do it the WWE way. Where I think if they, you know, kind of let Daniel Bryan and CM Punk and those guys at that time been like, go for it. Tell right. me how you're going to get the brass ring. Right. Mm-hmm. The imaginary brass ring. Tell me how you're going to approach it, because it's not going to be the same way that you think, you know, that Triple H did it or Orton or mm-hmm. Lesnar or any of those guys. Well, so. you also look at it, too. Like, if, if CM Punk and Daniel Bryan went through NXT currently, it'd just be incredible. You'd have this top face, top heel just battling it out. It'd be if you looked at today's NXT and you brought the talents, if you took just the indie guys out from the WWE and NXT – and then took the guys who are company trained and just put them on the main roster. NXT would be the top brand. It would be a must-watch brand for everyone around the world. Agreed. So yeah. go ahead. You got uh, one yeah, more. My last one, uh, and he's the we talked about it a little bit earlier before we started taping. Um, the most over guy in W uh, WBE right now uh, is AJ Styles. James Ellsworth. Yeah, yeah, yeah James Ellsworth. Uh, AJ Styles can go with anybody. He can See, do anything. The thing. Uh, Go ahead. No, no, no. I, got... I think he, but as a face for USA, I think you have to include him, even though he's been all over in Japan and all over the world. Yes. I feel like he is synonymous with U.S. wrestling. I mean, for the most yeah. part, if you're an average, even if you're just like an average uh, SmackDown Raw watch, you, you know who AJ Styles is. You know, he's everywhere. He He's so over. He Even though he's technically heel. He is he's like the Stone Cold heel where he's over. He's like a baby face heel. It's weird. Uh he's he can do anything. If he switched and went full fate baby face, he would be over. He could do anything. He could sit in the middle of the ring and just talk for an hour yeah. and people would be captivated by AJ Styles because the guy shows it 
by his he's just who he is he's a guy from georgia who just wants to entertain people and have a good time and, and he doesn't he's so skilled and he's even got i even think he's even better now than he was he had some great tna stuff but like yeah, the way he's been able to mold what, everything right yeah and he's one of the guys where if you set the example like we were talking earlier about guys like pete dunn and tyler Bate, they're so young and they they're already so good 10 years ago when i saw aj russell for tna I'm like this guy. I didn't see wrestling till I saw AJ Styles wrestle. He doesn't wrestle like anybody else. He's the first person where I'm like, I don't know where he got any of that move set from. Like, it's so exciting to be like, what? It, like, I can't figure out his shtick. Like, as a as a core wrestling fan my entire life, the first time I saw him wrestle, which was uh, oh jeez, Unbreakable 2005 oh, wow. against I know Daniels and Samoa Joe, which. TNA is like, this is the best match we've ever done. It's the best match they've ever done. It it's is. not on the network. It should be. It should be. It yeah. might be soon. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, yeah. It's just an amazing, amazing match. But I remember sit, sitting in the stands watching him work, and I'm like, I have no idea what this guy is doing. So it was exciting again. I was there for that match. Fast forward to 2015 when he debuted at Royal Rumble. I was there for that. That's awesome. And being like, seeing the full circle of AJ Styles. And I was just like, he came out and I was so jacked and I was like shaking and yelling and everything else. And then I just started crying. Cause I'm like, I'm so happy. Like I still do it where I see him on TV. I'm just like, AJ Styles is a top guy in WWE. I'm like five years ago. If you told me this, I'd be like, you're out of your mind. That right. was never going to happen in my lifetime. Right. Cause I said 10 years ago, I'm like, he's too talented to be here. Like right. what, who doesn't want right. this guy on their roster? And yeah. now you see it. Yeah. Now you absolutely see it in WWE. Once again, you know, uh, when he came in, he lost a bunch. He lost his WrestleMania match. And, you know, and you just look at it and you're like, what are they doing with him? What are they doing? And he just kept fighting the good fight and being like, nope, I'm just, I'm doing what I'm told. I'm going to be 100%. Him and Owens, I'm just going to give 100%. I'm going to give 100%. Yep. And you just see that, like you said, you just see that growth where you're like, AJ can't be better than what he did mid TNA run. And now you see it now. And then he went to New Japan and Ring of Honor and you're like, oh, wow, he's so much better. Can't get better than this. And then he comes to WWE and you're like, how is this possible? It's it was insane. like what we were saying about Sean. Sean had three decades where he just grew, grew, grew. And AJ's now having that growth. And it's like, AJ still probably has another good 10 years. Easily. If yeah. not more. And what he's giving back to the guys coming up is just insane, his psychology. Where he can, you know, there's very few indie guys who come, indie, quote unquote, mm -hmm. guys who come into WWE who have the amount of polish that an AJ Styles does. Mm -hmm. And the reason I think I left him off the list is because I always think his TNA stuff, because I was glued to that, where I saw him wrestle as much as possible, and I'm like, TNA has better wrestling than WWE right now. Right. And in that time, they were WWE's only competition, and they really didn't see them as that. And I'm like, are you watching guys like him and Joe and Daniels and Rude and storm and shelly and saban i can go down the list right these guys are so so talented and i'm like wwe needs these guys and i it, i wouldn't think 10 years later because joe could have easily made my team um i love samoa joe but styles of course is just you know the good old boy southern wrestling he's everything right. that wwe never wanted 
it was a New York wrestling company. Right. They didn't want the Southern wrestling indie TNA established mm-hmm. New Japan Bullet Club too sweet pro wrestler right. to be the top guy on their brand. And here we are three years later, and here we are. Did I mark up enough? I think I marked I, that up I, enough. I, I think, but you see why I have him on the list. Exactly. I mean, the guy just, when I think of this top, because obviously- Very easily there's a parallel universe where AJ never came to WWE. Right. It's a shame. It is. Or there's a parallel universe where AJ went to NXT and elevated that brand. True. But we we are fortunate to live in this timeline where we saw AJ come in, take a couple lumps for almost a year, and probably gave Cena – I don't know if they're going to find another p- opponent that Cena is that good with um, that's on the current roster or NXT coming up. There's some interesting matchups, right? but as a solid wrestling match – because how many times do they wrestle? Four times? Three times? I think four, four times, times yeah. To be able to elevate Cena at this point in his career is just shocking. And I'm like, we, we're not going to see AJ Taker. Shame. They were talking about AJ HBK. And uh, it was close before WrestleMania because they asked AJ who he wanted to wrestle. He's like, you think Sean will do it? And I'm like, oh, man. Talk about the... That would just... You thought this past weekend was bad with AJ or this past... Uh, AJ Finn was right. mind blowing. Right. Be like, wait for that. If there was a sliver of that ever happening, we need that. But we didn't get Sting Taker, so I'm not holding my breath. That's true. That's true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think with uh, AJ, he, you, you talk about being a polished wrestler. And I think another guy that comes to mind that came from the same cut from the same cloth, uh, Bobby Roode, uh, a fantastic polished wrestler. Oh, he came in. Yeah. Amazing. And yeah, I feel like awesome. that they, they'll eventually have some, that would be, I would think so. They, yeah. they did, they did good business in TNA, did, and, yeah. but no one saw it. Right. So I think that'd be awesome. Obviously having Samoa Joe, if he ever comes over, uh, I'm so be... waiting for Joe styles because right. you know, and how you can watch their past I don't know who sat down and we were like, okay, we really want Samoa Joe and we really want AJ Styles and not be like, we want Christopher Daniels and we want PD Williams. Who, like, what tapes are you watching that I'm not seeing I know. that these guys get left are out. the glue yeah. and get left yeah. out? Yeah. But go ahead and I know we're on day three of this podcast at this yeah, point. Yeah, no, it's cool. <laughs> uh, so I, I think you can. And, and, uh, I appreciate that. Exactly. So thank you so much. And, uh, folks, thank you for joining us. Uh, give us a like review on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music. We're working on iHeartRadio. We're working on getting the Spotify going on. So definitely go on there and uh, give us a comment and everything. Uh, you can follow us on the Twitter machine at HH Podcast Show, Facebook.com forward slash Happy Hour Podcast Show. Of course, when you're talking about the Happy Hour Johnny Deuce, you have three hashtags you want to put in your social media choice. Hashtag Happy Hour Podcast, hashtag HH Podcast Show, and hashtag Deuce is on the loose. Later. Later.